And now, introducing, he puts the works in Bath and Body Works beyond in Bed Bath and Beyond. He'll handle your Yankee candle. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It's Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. It's a dreary Thursday here in Baltimore. But we got much to do on the program today. In just a couple of minutes, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman are going to join us. As you know, they've been two of my absolute favorite humans over the time that they have been here in Baltimore. They are moving on. They are headed to uh, Charlotte, and uh, he's going to play with the Panthers this year, and we'll see what the future has in store for the Bozemans. And they remain committed to the city of Baltimore and all the work they've done through the Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation. So, we will chat with them here momentarily on GCR a little bit later on. We're going to chat with Kyle Stackpole from CBSSports.com, one of my former interns. We'll do an NFL draft segment with him. And I feel like you're trying to tell me that there's something else that we're doing this morning. Dan Connolly, 1105. I uh, know a lot of people were reacting to Dan's piece about um, Trey Mancini's future this morning in The Athletic. We will talk to him about that as well. So that's all coming up on the program today. Appreciate all the feedback we got about yesterday's show. Look, man, they can't all be quite like that. I wish they were, but they can't all be quite like that. As obviously it was an unbelievably loaded show from start to finish. A lot of emotional stuff in there, Marcus Williams, and um, and so much more. Appreciate all of you that uh, maybe found us because of yesterday's show. Um, we try to do things like that pretty frequently. We try to have significant shows noteworthy guests, things along those lines. And we hope that you will stick around and continue to be a part of the show moving forward. Obviously, the big story yesterday in sports was Tyreek Hill, and we sort of saw it unfolding as the show was going on, but didn't get to the finale as he ended up going to the Miami Dolphins for five draft picks. I don't really have a hot take. I mean, I don't, and I mean that. I don't really have a hot take about Tyreek Hill. As I've said already, I'm honestly glad that, that it's not something that the Ravens are going to be doing because you guys know how I feel about Tyreek Hill, the human. We know, of course, that Tyreek Hill, the football player, is outstanding. I saw a, saw a weird response yesterday where there were a lot of people that were trying to play along the lines of, I think... Losing Tyreek Hill will have less of an impact on Patrick Mahomes than losing Patrick Mahomes will have on Tyreek Hill. And it was interesting to me because I, I get the, the point that you're trying to make. The point that you're trying to make is that Patrick Mahomes is so good, he could probably just make the next guy good. And I'm going to disagree with that. Nicole Harbin season. Uh, sure, fine. <laughs> we've watched when Tyreek Hill hasn't played. They're not the same offense. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't find someone else that can't be a particularly special playmaker. I don't think it's going to be Juju Smith-Schuster, but it doesn't mean they couldn't find somebody in the draft that couldn't be a really talented, capable, special type of player. But we constantly do this bit, and it is a wild bit, where we pretend like quarterbacks can just make anybody better. And it has never, ever, ever, ever been true. Aaron Rodgers can't make Equinemius St. Brown Devontae Adams. He can't do it. 
No quarterback can make someone a... Now, they can make it more productive. You can have a season in which someone is a bit more productive because of the offense and the capability of the quarterback than they would have been if they had spent the season catching balls from Mitchell Trubisky. But you can't make them better. This is nonsense. It has never been true, no matter how many times we shout it into a void. It's why teams have to surround their quarterbacks. You don't just have to sign your quarterback. you got to surround your quarterback with talent. If the Chiefs say, hey, there's a limit to that, there's only so much that we can do, We've already spent all this money on Patrick Mahomes. We can't also break the bank over a wide receiver. Okay. But they're going to have to find those guys. And they clearly have one particularly special playmaker in Travis Kelsey. But they have to find those guys. It's good news for the Ravens and the rest of the AFC that at the moment it doesn't appear as though they have those guys. That's a good thing. Makes it more palatable that um, you could go up against them this season. But the idea that the quarterback can just constantly keep making whoever is thrown out there better because he's a good quarterback has never been and will never be true. Not a thing, no matter how many times we attempt to say it. All right. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. And you know what? That's that's kind of fitting because I know our next guests have been partnered with the Baltimore police over the years. And um, it's very difficult. I got kind of emotional talking about them over the weekend on social media. You guys know that I try to be as objective as possible, but um, sometimes objectivity is difficult because of feelings that you have. And on a personal level, um, and it really, it's not even personal. It's just, it is objective seeing what they've done for our city, what they've done for our community, how committed they've been since the moment that they arrived to make an impact here. I, I know that's going to continue as they move on, but it still pains me to say they're moving on as uh, he is signed with the Carolina Panthers. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the program Bradley and Nikki Bozeman, who are with us now here on GCR. Guys, I, I, I don't, we don't do goodbye. We do, you know, like see in a bit, but we'll get to that. Thank you for taking the time as always. It's good to chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. Like always, always, always good to get on and, uh, and talk to you guys. So, Bradley, I appreciate it, man. And, and Nikki, I got to start with you because I was talking with, um, I was talking with Pat yesterday. How in the world did you guys miss out on the Zeitler's uh, wine trip out to Napa? That, that, I mean, that sounds like the party of the century. I know. I was so sad. So we were all supposed to go, and then we went through free agency. And with the days just being so crazy and coaches calling and stuff like that, we just didn't – like, I couldn't get on a flight for five hours yeah. and us not have our phone. So <laughs> right. it was just more of like we probably need to handle business before we go on vacation. So – I am so jealous because they looked like they had so much fun. So, and Haley and Pat aren't like big wine drinkers anyway, but she said she found a good wine to sit by the pool. So I'm definitely jealous. You know, it's funny you say that. He told us he's so much not a big wine drinker that it literally made him sick. That he drank so much wine that he found himself legitimately sick and still recovering as we were chatting yesterday from the trip out to Napa. All right, um, I, I, let's let's get it out of the way. Let's talk about it. When did you guys know? And maybe I, I guess Bradley, I'll start with you. When did you kind of make peace with 
you know, it's just not going to be back in Baltimore. And that's all right. We, we know we've talked to you guys. You'd, you'd moved. You'd shifted down to Nashville where you're building a home. When did you make peace with, it's just not going to be Baltimore. We're going to be on to the next journey, wherever that might have been? You know, we, we knew it was a possibility that, that Baltimore might not be um, in the realm of possibilities. Um, you know, it just so happens that it didn't, it didn't turn out that way. So, um, you know, but just so grateful for, for everything, for, um, for, I mean, everyone we've met, all the coaches, all the players, um, you know, the front office, the organization for giving me um, just, just the opportunity they did. You know, a kid from Roanoke, Alabama, um, doing the things I'm doing now, just that opportunity, that wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the opportunity by the Ravens. Um, so just so, so grateful, you know, all the fans, all the, um, just really everyone, all the friends that we've met, um, all the, the friends that have turned into family for us, um, you know, just, just so, so, so grateful to, to everyone involved. Um, and just the love and support that we got whenever we did commit, um, you know, we, we signed with the Panthers, um, was, was very overwhelming. So, so good to see, you know, just so many people reaching out on social media, um, and just saying thank you and, you know, just wishing us best. And, you know, it's just, it, it's such a, a great city, such a great organization. Um, you know, just so thankful for that opportunity and, and very thankful for this opportunity going forward with the Panthers. So, um, you know, just like I said, just thankful. Nikki, when, when did it hit you? When did you have like a moment you're like, you know, this is, this is how this works and, 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 and we're ready for the next step in this. Yeah. I always like, I'm always pessimistically optimistic. I feel like that's my whole life. Cause you just never know. I sure. mean, like you can sign a contract and make all this money and get traded the next day. So it's just, there's no security and that's just part of the business. But I think we're always like a glass half full. So we try to look at all the positives, but um, I think it hit us after we signed our deal and we're driving. We were staying in um, Charleston with a group of friends um, from our neighborhood in Nashville. And actually, the Holdens, they used to play. He played in left tackle or tackle in Baltimore. So, oh, okay. Yeah, but when sure. we were, yeah, so we're um, best friends with them. So they had a house in Charleston that we drove to kind of afterwards. Um, but as we were driving, I was just like, wow, you know, it's, and everyone was reaching out and, nothing but love and then you know people on the panthers team were reaching out so i thought it was cool on both sides but yeah i think that's probably when it hit me the most will holden is who uh the the bozemans are referring to their friends with did is there um is there any regret at all is there any like you know i i wish or or is it such a new unique opportunity that you can kind of feel a clean break about it and, and you don't have to think about what might have been or maybe regret's the wrong word. Is there any frustration, any bitterness, anything along those lines? No, I think, I think we all make the, the decisions we make in life for a purpose. I think that um, everything happens for a reason. I think that God has, has a huge hand in everything that we do and, and say and, and um, you know, the path that we take. Um, and, you know, I, I, have, I have no regrets on, on what's, what's happened um, you know, you live with the decisions that you make and, you know, just, just so, like I said, so thankful for the, this next opportunity. Um, and, you know, like I said, just so grateful for the past opportunity. So, um, you know, I, I know it's, it's, it's all going to work out how it's supposed to, um, you know, I put, I put my faith in God and, um, just, just moving forward, just trying to, to make the best out of every, every possible situation. So, um, you know, just like I said, I'm, I'm, I live by the decisions that we make and, um, you know, it, it, it's, however it turns out in the end, I know I'll, I'll have put everything I've had into it. Um, every, you know, every, every single ounce of, 
of, of right and wrong, you know, just to, to do the right thing. So Bradley, if I could follow that up, we just had Michael Pierce on the other day, right? Um, you know, if at some point in the future these, these paths worked again, when you say if, there, if there's no bad feelings, would you say to yourself, hey, man, if, if that's where my path took me back, yeah, I could come back to Baltimore at some point down the road. Is, is there a thought? Again, obviously right now Carolina is your focus and that's what you're doing because it's your job. But it, when I say no hard feelings, does that mean that, like, hey, if, if that's the way that life took us, yeah, we could end up down, back here down the road at some point? Yeah, absolutely. Never, I never burn any bridge and never – um, you know, always, always leave those doors open for sure. Um, you know, we, we don't know where our path's going to take us. We didn't know our path was going to, going to lead to Carolina this year. Um, but like I said, so grateful for the opportunity and, and just going to try to make the very best out of it. Um, and just, we'll go forward from here. So Bradley and Nikki Bozeman with us here on Glenn Clark radio, Nikki, I know uh, when we talked the last time, you talked about how important it was to stay connected with the community and that that wasn't going to be something you guys were just going to completely break with. Have you started to sort of have a vision for what that might look like moving forward? Yeah, so um, that's what I've been hard at work doing. And we um, have thought it's so important. You know, um, I got a text the other day. I think I posted on Twitter from you know, a friend of ours that's an ER um, orthopedic, and she was, like, asking a boy, hey, you know, he was get, he had broken his arm, I think, and she was trying to distract him, and she was like, you know, what's your favorite football player? And he said, Bradley Bozeman, because he gives me food when I'm hungry. <sighs> so yeah. I just think, like, there's such, like, a impact um, that you're having, and I think wherever we have this foundation, it's going to stay and continue to grow. So, uh, April 1st, we're launching a collaboration with Weekend Backpacks um, at Stuart Hill Academy. And we are, that collaboration is going to allow us to grow our program in Baltimore. So it's 100% staying in Baltimore and growing and flourishing. Um, I think the city has kind of um, embraced and engulfed that program. So we're looking forward to grow it in Baltimore and also bring it to Carolina. Man, that's awesome. That, that's, that's an incredible, powerful thing to say. And we've, we've seen, you know, some other athletes in the past, it, 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 Tori Smith, who at one point ended up in Carolina, who said the same thing. Like, I'm just going to continue. Uh, Baltimore's going to be a focus for me. I got work I want to keep doing there. And that's a really powerful statement for someone to make. It would be easy to just say, no, nope, we're, we're somewhere else now. That's where we're getting paid. That's what we're going to worry about. Um, that's really incredible. It's really incredible that you're you are continuing to do that. Have you started scouting Charlotte at all, and like plans for down there, and things that you want to accomplish while you're uh, with the Carolina Panthers? Yeah. Um, well, he reached out for like fun stuff to do in Charlotte, but on like a foundation note, um, we are we're starting to kind of talk to the right people and make some connections, and um, we're looking for you know people in the police department that we can talk to and kind of get a better landscape of the city and the need. Um, because, you know, with this program we do, I know Johns Hopkins did a whole bunch of research that we used for our Think Snack program to really find the best need in the city. So um, we want to do something similar with um, some of the universities in Charlotte. So um, to kind of find, you know, geographically and statistically, like what is the most need and the most impact you're going to have in an area. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, we, I feel like you're like, all right, you know, you signed, you find somewhere to live right. and you, you know, it's just, it's keep, you just keep going. So that's, um, this week we're working on house stuff and kind of finding out what we're going to do. And then next week we're going to start 
you know, having those meetings of where we can uh, start to grow this program in, in Charlotte. That's awesome. Um, uh, Bradley, the, the, the guys that might now might end up snapping the ball here in Baltimore, there's a thought that maybe Pat could move back to center. There's a thought that it might be Tristan's time. Um, we all know how good Pat was at tackle a year ago, right? The Ravens just happened to bring in Morgan Moses, so there's a thought that he's probably going to end up moving. Um, can you give me a thumbnail on those two guys and, and how comfortable you think Ravens fans should be that – Things are going to be all right, despite the fact that, that maybe you're moving on. Yeah, regardless of, of which guy gets the job, whoever gets the nod, um, you know, they're going to do a great job. They're both very knowledgeable. They're smart guys. <clears throat> they played the center position uh, before, and, you know, Pat has done a, a great job at it, managing that offensive line. Um, and then also Tristan, when he had has had the opportunities, came in and played well. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's, you know, who really knows? I'm, I'm sure they're going to probably be battling out all through training camp, all through OTAs, and uh, whoever gets the nod is, is well-deserved because both those guys are, are great competitors and, um, you know, always work hard and uh, do the right thing. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't see any issue with either guy. So just, just wishing nothing but the best of luck to those two um, and just, you know, just, just hope that, that they can uh, give their all and, and um, you know, come out healthy through all this. All right, this is the important question, obviously. Uh, are you into Carolina barbecue, or are you going to have to smile and nod and fake it um, And because you're in Carolina now and pretend like you're into vinegar-based barbecue that has very little taste instead of, like, real barbecue from a place, say, like, Dreamland barbecue? Um, well, you know us. I mean, we love food. So, like, it's not, it's not hard to... To get into any kind of food for us, but I actually I love the vinegar based. Really, uh, that's, that's, that's actually my preferred. No, um, I've, I've always I've always I always have. I think I was burnt out um, on the on the other styles a little bit as a kid. I still like them. Don't get me wrong, but oh. vinegar based is kind of my my go to. This might actually somehow be worse than the the, the banana mayonnaise sandwich thing. I got to be honest <laughs> with you. Like, come on, you man. Your hot food takes. You know, we should have asked Mark. Right. Right, Nikki. Do you like? Look, man. I I I understand what you're saying, Bradley. Food is food, and you know, like I'm not saying I would never eat Carolina barbecue, but you're telling me I got the choice of getting real sweet Southern barbecue versus vinegar. The one thing I'll give Carolina is hush puppies are legit, right? Like I'm all in on hush puppies, but see, I I just I can never imagine choosing Carolina barbecue over by God Southern barbecue. Yeah, he definitely does. Now that I'm trying to recollect on our cross-country trip, you really did choose, Carolina. Um, Yeah, he really did. It's a vinegar-based. Okay, so I'm a more of a, I like the extremes when I'm eating. So I will, like, like get, like, a super sweet, like, um, like barbecue sauce as, like, a, you know, quarter pound of, is that a lot? Quarter pound? <laughs> no, know. it's not that much. I'm very, no. I, whatever. It is. No. I'm very bad at like, you know, portions. Anyway, <laughs> so a little bit of like pulled pork. But then I'll get like a, um, like, you know, a chicken or something with the Carolina barbecue so I can go back and forth because I feel like the contrast is what I like. Really? So that's fascinating. I guess I couldn't like put a, put a nail on it but yeah you definitely do choose the vinegar base interesting i've never thought about that that's so weird to me that's so weird to me i don't i don't know we'll send you some up 
We'll send you some good Charlotte barbecue. All right, you. All right, all right. Oh, I'll, I would happily come down, man. I, you know, it's a great town. It really is a tremendous right, town. There you go. Um, and I'm, I'm jealous of how, how close you'll be to Bojangles. We don't have many up this way. They'll be everywhere down there, and I could pound some Bowberry biscuits when I get the opportunity. That's a win. I really and a half. don't think I've had them before. How's that possible? Rave about them. I don't. We didn't have Bojangles in my town. Do have you had them? We had it. We had it in Tuscaloosa, but I never went. You have you have or haven't had the blueberry? Yeah, You've had never had. Dude, you, you, you that is. I mean, I'm telling. That's weird. I know it sounds low rent, but you're gonna end up needing to make a trip very quickly and eradicate that problem from your life. Everything else is good. The chicken's good. The biscuits are the bowberry biscuits will make you sing. You will literally find yourself singing as you devour a bowberry biscuits. Well, you know, you know what I'm really looking forward to. What's that? It's the, the cookout. Have you ever, oh, have you ever been to a cookout? hundred legit. Legit is. Oh my god! It, the, the tray. All right, what's your go-to order at a cookout? Oh, the, it's obviously the tray. It's the like the double cheeseburger, um, the corn dog, and the quesadilla. Okay. And like a like a uh, peach cobbler shake. Oh yeah, the shakes at cookout are look yeah. for, as you know you, as you, you guys. Gotta, know, yeah. Shake when you go. It's like a dollar more to sub out for the drink for a shake. So. As you guys know, I have great affinity for Chick-fil-A. And I love Chick-fil-A milkshakes. But the shakes yeah. at Cookout are otherworldly. <laughs> like, I still don't understand how they put that tray together for that price. It kinda, it's amazing! I, it's, kind of a, it's, it's really a sick thought. I don't want to think about it. Like, There's no way you should be able to get that much food for like $5. I don't know what the lines... I, I remember being... It's funny because you guys are going down to Nashville now. Uh, I remember trying to go to a cookout after a night out of, uh, of imbibing... Uh, bourbons in nashville one evening and the line i mean like was 50 cars deep and i did not care i was waiting in that line to get me some cookout i needed it that bad that evening i was not driving yeah. to make it clear <laughs> yeah i was gonna say not yeah. behind the wheel no no <laughs> not at all it's that good and it is that worth it how's the uh how's the house coming by the way in nashville Oh, it's amazing. We are going over there today. They're pouring concrete on the back patio, hopefully getting spray foamed in in the next week or so. All the inspections have passed up to the store. Nice, nice. Moving and grooving. So it'll be good to have, you know, a home base. And obviously our parents are just jumping for joy because we're three hours from each of them. So now it's like his mom's like, so what are you doing next weekend? I'm like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> right. but we are excited. That's awesome. Uh, can I, can I handle like two journalism related questions and let you guys handle them however you want to handle them? Is that all right? Of course. Okay. Bradley, do you, do you, does the word prove it? Like is, do you feel any of that as you end up taking a one year deal in Charlotte? Um, not really. Okay. Um, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, I've heard prove it. I've heard, you know, gambling, you know, whatever, whatever you say. Um, listen, I'm, I'm always going to bet on myself. You know, I'm, I'm always going to um, go out and compete. I'm not afraid of competition. Um, you know, I'm always going to go out and put my best foot forward and, uh, and do the, the absolute best that I can. Um, because, you know, I think I've told you all this before. My father, uh, we had, had told me we had just lost. It was like a peewee football game. Like, it wasn't anything serious, nothing on the line. It was like our, our county rival. <clears throat> and, we, um, you know, we, we lost, we got beat pretty good and I got home and I was crying and all that stuff. And he, he looked at me and goes, son, if you, if you can look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself that you've done absolutely everything your, your possible will to be able to, to do the best that, that you possibly could, um, you have nothing to be ashamed of. 
and I, I've, I've lived my mm-hmm. entire life by that motto. Um, you know, I have nothing to be ashamed of up to this point, and I plan on not having anything to be ashamed of going forward. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go in and I'm, com- I'm going to compete. I'm going to show them what I got. Um, you know, hopefully they like it, but uh, if not, then we'll we'll see what we'll do whatever we have to do. So, um, you know, it, it's like I said, I'll always bet on myself. Um, and I'll, I'll always put my best foot forward. So just I'm just super excited about the opportunity, honestly. And for Christ's sake, you're already five years in after being a sixth-round pick. I mean, my God, you've already beat the odds. You've already proven we're, everything. <laughs> we're, we're, pl- we're playing on house money. Right. You know, we're, we're, right? Just, we're, we're, just, we're rolling with the punches, and uh, we're, we're going to try to keep this trend continuing. There, so, uh, you know, it's a lot you, different. If you would have me. I was going to say, it's a lot different than living in an RV a few years ago and not knowing what the Yeah, it's a lot lot different than that for sure. (laughs) Um, And then I got – I I also have to ask, there was a report that the Ravens offered you an extension at the end of the year. Is is it something that you can comment on at all? Um, Yeah, you know, we went back and forth a little bit. um, And, you know, unfortunately, neither side, you know, came to agreement. Um, but you know, it, it kind of is what it is at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we've made the best of our opportunities. We've left everything out on the football field. Um, and you know, the, like, like I said, I'm, I'm excited about this next opportunity and so grateful to, to the Ravens for the past opportunities and to the, the Panthers for the future opportunities. So, um, just like I said, just grateful. All right. When is it time, uh, both of you, I, I've seen the pictures, you guys hanging out on the beach, uh, Nikki, do we have to consider like maybe a Bradley Bozeman calendar, like, uh, like a modeling calendar for 2023, maybe to, 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 to benefit the Bradley and Nikki Bozeman foundation with all like the sexy beach photos. I've really thought about it. I mean, I'm going to just take photos of him just, like, fishing in our fish tank in college. I mean, that's a classic. Wait, wait, um, wait, 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 wait. Fishing in the fish tank? I don't, I need a, a little. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting things this man does that I feel like over the years have just got, I'm like, so he's just, you know, it's this video, and he was, what did you say? Um what, what you were, I literally come out and I'm like, what are you doing? He has his shirt off and he literally has his fishing pole in the <laughs> fish tank. How big was like, the fish tank? It's like a 55 gallon. Okay. It wasn't like, I mean, it's big, but not massive. Oh man, he'll have to send it to you. I need to see it. And, I need to see it. But just like stuff like that over the years, I'm like, we could do a compilation of these and it would be like just. Hilarious. I am but. so in favor of this. I am so I will I will I will put the down payment for the first one when you guys do it for twenty twenty three. The sexy Bradley yeah. Bozeman uh, photo calendar. <laughs> I am all in for that. Um guys, you know how much we love you. Uh it pains me. The the night that we spent together with Mo, uh, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, will be the most important night that I've ever experienced in this profession and in this business. Um, and I will never forget all of the things that you did for that young man and everybody else in this community and look forward to seeing more of it. Um, let's, let's make sure we get all the plugs in again, of course. <laughs> uh, now, wait a second. The, the website changed so much. Bozeman Foundation? Is that what back to? Uh, Bozeman Charity. Bozeman. Damn it. Damn it. It's the first time I missed in a <laughs> long time. BozemanCharity.com. At Brad Nikki Bose, at BS Bose, at one Nikki and three. I got all those right. I knew I do know that. Um, yep. Truly love you guys, and really grateful for everything you've done. Uh, wish you the absolute best down in Carolina, and I know we'll be talking again real soon. Thank you as always for taking the time for us, not only this morning, but for the years that you've been doing this. 
Absolutely. Thank, thank you guys always for having us on and being so supportive of everything we do. Um, we really appreciate you and appreciate all the listeners for, for bringing us back. So thank you guys. Thank you. Bradley and Nikki Bozeman. Man, I, it is, whew, this is tough. This is tough. This is, you guys know. I mean, they are, they, we have been very lucky to have them. And as I said earlier in the week, I, it's frustrating to think about, like, really? That was the number? We couldn't have just kept Bradley Bozeman around at that number? I'm going to think about that forever, right? Like, I'll think about that. I mean, I say forever. Until it, he comes back. Or until, you know, Pat McCary or Tristan Colon Castillo plays incredibly well next season. And mm-hmm. then we're like, okay, you know, it, it worked out. All's good. If there are issues next year, center position, we're really going to think about it. We are <laughs> really, really going to think about it. Um, but two truly amazing humans. Um, and and no doubt their impact will continue to be made. And there's a lot of second guessing involved with this. And a lot of, you know, did, did somebody make the wrong bet and all those things. I, as I said before, I also think that there are times where it's just time. And it's a human thing that can't be defined by calculations and, you know, numbers and all of those things. That you just get to a point where it's, you know, okay. We... we 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 worked on some things. It wasn't meant to be. We go do something else now. And that's just the way that it goes. Yeah. And I think there's a human level to this that people forget about sometimes. And um, I greatly appreciate it. Greatly appreciate Bradley and Nikki Bozeman hopping on with us for a couple minutes this morning. Um, you know, we actually could push the break. We could do that since we're up at 1029 right now. Today's show is also brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Of course, the FanDuel Sportsbook is open in the live casino and hotel here in Hanover, Maryland. And we're going to be back on Monday, April 4th for the NCAA championship game. We hope that you will come join myself and Rodney Elliott, the former Dunbar and Maryland star. We've had a great time hanging out the last couple of weeks with you guys. We're going to be back for the title game on Monday, April 4th. Hope you will come join us as uh, you can continue to get your bets in right through the end of the tournament. A lot of people like get excited for the first weekend of the tournament and then forget that it's still the same tournament that's going on. It's the same tournament that starts again tonight with the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight over the weekend, and then next weekend the Final Four in the title game. And if you get a $50 or more bet in on any of those games for the rest of the tournament, and you're a Live Rewards member, you can register your bet to win a $500 bracket bonus. Ten of them will be given away. Ten $500 bracket bonuses will be given away to Live Rewards members. If you're not a Live Rewards member, then maybe go down tonight, wander up to the window, introduce yourself, and say, I want to register my $50 bet to win a bracket bonus, but I'm not a Live Rewards member can you help me? And Bruce Billick's wonderful team there at the FanDuel Sportsbook will take care of you. They will get you signed up for live rewards so you can register that $50 or more bet on any NCAA tournament game to win one of those 10 $500 bracket bonuses. That's what you need to know. And again, we will see you for the title game on April 4th in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. 
All right, thanks again to Bradley and Nikki. It is time for this week's NFL Draft segment, and we want to start putting into focus, given what the Ravens have done in free agency, where we think their priorities should be. Joining us once again, um, we told the story the last time he was on with us, a former intern of ours here at PressBox and someone who's doing incredible things now as he is uh, working for CBSSports.com as an NFL Draft analyst. We welcome back to the program Kyle Stackpole, who's with us once again on GCR. Kyle, what's going on, bud? How are you? I'm doing good. Hope everything's well with you, Glenn. It's, everything is good. Hang on one second. There we go. We just had a small technical issue. We're trying to get that fixed on our end. But appreciate it, man. All right, so let's start taking a look. Um, I want to talk specifically about a couple of position groups, and I want to get some defined answers. And if I could, I'm going to start because I looked at your most recent mock draft, and I saw that you have the Ravens going edge rush. And seeing as how things didn't work out with Zadarius Smith and trying to bring him back, I think that makes an awful lot of sense so kind of two-parters, what's your confidence level that Jermaine Johnson would still be there at 14? It feels like there are people that believe that he's legitimately a top-10 type of talent. And, and in what ways does he separate himself from some of the other, like, non-Aiden Hutchinson edge rushers in this draft? Yeah, so I think, I think there's a good shot that he gets there. I think the edge rusher class is is pretty stacked and it's pretty deep as well, so I think that there's a shot he gets there. There's also other positions that, that teams are going to want to pursue aside from edge rusher. And you could have teams moving up for quarterbacks. You can have them drafting receivers. Basically, if you get a run on one or two possession or positions, you're going to have Jermaine Johnson fall to number 14. But the reason I like him is, is because he has the production to match the explosive traits um, that everyone likes to talk about. And it's easy to fall in love with these prospects because of their freakish athleticism. But mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's all about results. It's how often can you pressure the quarterback? How, yep. how often can you bring him down? You know, batted passes. And it was only one year at Florida State after coming over from Georgia, but 11.5 sacks, 18 tackles for loss. Uh, it's extremely impressive. And he, he's someone who really has made a name for himself throughout the draft process, starting from the senior bowl and then going to the NFL combine. And I think that's big because – He's performing against some of the best of the best at the Senior Bowl, and he's he was one of the top standouts. So then he just continued his momentum into the NFL Combine. So I think it's someone that can come in right away, and it's hard to anticipate you know elite production from an edge rusher in the rookie year aside from guys that are you know top five, top three picks. But he's someone who can I think get you get you some production and while while learning that's why i also think the ravens regardless of if they take an edge rusher at 14 or not they should definitely bring in a veteran guy too just so sure. they have a complement of pass rushers because really you can never have enough and, and with that division now with john watson and <laughs> joe burrow they're gonna need to get after the qb no freak and look obviously they prioritize secondary right like they have kind of gone the analytic route of saying you know we're gonna build the back end up front and invested huge money in Marcus Williams and doing that, and hopefully that pans out. But I'm, I'm still with you. It's, it's interesting to me, Kyle. I, I understand that when you do, and I, I use the word analytic. I'm not using it as pejorative. People feel that way sometimes. I'm saying that that is, the data will tell you that's the new way to build a defense is to build it from the secondary front. But I still watch 
the critical moments of games. The, the most important defensive play that was made all year by the Ravens a year ago was Adafi Owe forcing a fumble in the backfield at the end of the game against the Chiefs so they could mm-hmm. finally beat Kansas City. I, I, we still see the Von Miller impact. The most important plays in the Super Bowl were made by the front. I get it. The data says build from the secondary, but I, I, I deal with this all the time. I still think when it comes down to actually winning a football game and getting one play to get your team off the field or to set a team back, that play is almost always going to have to come from your front seven. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you. Um, the, the only reason I would maybe looking at the cornerbacks as well, because I think there's, there's – I think admittedly I've been undervaluing the cornerbacks in my previous mock drafts, and I think that if there is one of those three top cornerbacks there, I think it would be worth – the Ravens taking a hard look. Um, but I do get what you're saying because, you know, edge rushers, they make plays happen. Aaron Donald in the Super Bowl, you know, clinching it for the Rams. But I just think with the only difference would be the depth of the edge rushers in this class. It's deeper than the cornerbacks where I feel like after the top three, there's a drop off. Whereas after really after Hutchinson, you have six or seven edge rushers. I feel like maybe even more that, could you know come in and give you you know similar productive production or you know maybe become a guy that separates himself from the rest of the class. So I get what you're saying with the edge rusher. I think it just depends. And I know the Ravens. You know there could be there could be a shot that if if it's you know Trent McDuffie against against Jermaine Johnson, based on their history you got to think they're probably going to end yeah. up going with Duffy. All right, let, let me come back to the corners in a second. We're chatting with Kyle Stackpole for this week's draft segment. I want to stick at edge rush for a second if I could because there's two other guys I specifically want to talk about. One is one that I admittedly haven't paid as much attention to, and part of it I think is because of what you just brought up in terms of production. And We just saw the Ravens you know, take Adafi away a year ago with almost no production in what was, of course, a weird truncated COVID season. Um, George Karloftis is a guy that like some people are extraordinary high on. And there are other people that say, yeah, I don't know, man, like four and a half sacks. I, I just don't know if I see it. Where are you in just simply how you evaluate um, Karloftis? And, and is the production significant for you? Or is it the sort of old story of, hey, this is what's going to happen when you play at Purdue and you're the guy, you're going to get all of the attention and it's going to be more difficult for you to make plays in the backfield because of it. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with your point about being the guy at a school like Purdue and when they're, when other better uh, Big Ten teams are game planning offensively, they're going to say, okay, we have to, as long as we stop this guy, we're good. So they're going to, chip with the tight end, they're going to double team, they're going to do whatever they have to do so that the game doesn't come down to Karloftis making a play and all of a sudden Purdue you know, gets an upset, even though Purdue is actually pretty good, uh, upsetting a couple teams this year. But I, I don't think the, the production is, is really that much of an issue. Uh, he, his pressure rate was still pretty strong. Uh, it, was actually, it was better than his 2019 season and, and 2020. Okay. So sometimes it's just a matter of you, sometimes you just don't, you'll have seasons where you just don't bring the quarterback down as much. But when you look at the you know deeper analytics, you're still seeing that he's getting pressure on the quarterback at a rate that you want to see from a guy that you would draft in the top 15. And then the biggest so story. I think he's, yeah. Go, go ahead. No, no, Kyle, I finished that thought because I want to move on to another player. Okay. Yeah, so I think he's a guy who he already has. A, you know, He looks like an NFL defensive end in college. He's He's got good technique. He has a – 
extremely relentless motor. He's got a lot of energy. He's someone that I think is going to endear himself to Baltimore if they end up picking him because I think they they know what they're going to get with a guy like Karloftis. He's going to be a hard worker. He's going to do everything the right way. And I think over time you're going to see those sacks and and quarterback hits come, even if they didn't come uh, last year at Purdue. All right. The other player and the biggest story of the past week, of course, unfortunately, in in the draft world was the injury to David Ajabo at Michigan Pro Day. And I I know that we don't still have all of the details, but and and I'm not you know, Jalen Smith is the comparison, of course, that comes to mind for some people as far as what how do you handle this? Where do you still consider the talent? Kyle, I have not been able to shake that I would be more interested in David Ajabo if I'm the Baltimore Ravens because the guy that figured out exactly how to make him work is the guy that's running your defense. I acknowledge that at this point you're you're definitely not picking him with your 14th pick because you need your 14th pick to be a guy that's going to line up and play at the beginning of the season. But given the talent, given the connection, what do you get the sense of as far as how the injury affects where you might start considering David Ajabo at this point? Yeah, I think, you know, beforehand he was seen mostly as, I would say, top 20 pick. People were even taking him as high as, you know, in the top 10, uh, maybe the Giants at, at number seven. But the injury, I think, just with a lot of players, it's just it's just the unknown. And it's just the fact that if a team, a lot of teams, you know, only have one first-round pick, and if they're investing that first-round pick in someone who, you know, just suffered a major injury and, and you don't know exactly how he's going to come back from that that's a big gamble to take so i think he's he's falling uh to the last i don't know 10 picks of the first round could even maybe fall out of the first round and i think if he gets into that range where he's right at the end of the first round or or it's the start of the second round and, and no one's grabbed him yet that's when i think baltimore really has a case to say hey can we move up a few spots? Can we try to get this guy because of what you said? It's just a, it's such a unique situation right. that you know Mike McDonald knows exactly who he is, what he brings to the table, and knows how to use him in his defense. So I think that's that's a really fascinating storyline to follow if you're a Ravens fan because if he does start to slide, I mean, you, it happens. It happens with these players and. I mean, I guess luckily for him, it happened after the combine and, and all the showcases. So he got to you know perform in front of scouts and everything. But it's it's going to be a, a big red flag because you just don't know. You just you hope he comes back 100 percent, 110 percent. But there's there's doubt there, and with doubt, I you know you your draft value and your draft stock goes down. So I think it's he's someone to keep an eye on, and if they can somehow get him in the second round, I think that would be. A, great value. I, I am still very despite, I get it, it's a significant injury but I am still very intrigued and as we know that injury may be not quite the same today as it was say 10-15 years ago so um, I, I remain very intrigued about David Ajabo. Alright, let's go to the cornerbacks. Kyle Stackpole is with us from CBSSports.com um, Kyle, just how interchangeable is this group of corners? I, I think there's a consensus forming that Sauce Gardner is the top of them um, for example, I see you have Andrew Booth all the way down at the 31st pick. I don't know if that's more about him or just sort of more about team needs, but how interchangeable is the group of McDuffie and Stingley and Booth? And, and maybe even let's continue to throw Sauce Gardner into that conversation. How, how similar are they? How close are they? Is it a scenario where 
you know, if two of them go off the board, you're just as good with a third at the 14th pick as you would have been with the first two. Yeah, I think I think Sauce Gardner has definitely separated himself, and I do think that he'll end up being the first cornerback off the board. It's just a matter of where he goes off the board because there are a couple teams in need of cornerback right before um, right before Baltimore with the Vikings and now the Texans in the in the Brown spot. But I think, like I said, I think I've been undervaluing cornerback uh, a little bit, and I think when you when you think about the class as a whole, I I do think that it's Gardner, and then maybe a little bit of a gap, and then you have McDuffie and Stingley, and then I think after that there's a little bit more of a gap when you get to Booth and uh, Kair Alam from uh, Florida and and those other guys. So I I think if if either McDuffie or Stingley are there at 14, I think that would be a solid play because you're you're not going to get someone in that same tier or close to that same tier, you know, with a second round pick. Um, it's it's interesting because there there's one of them's a really a safe play. You know, he's he's had a lot of production. He or Trent McDuffie, I'm talking about. Um, and the biggest knock is that he's five foot eleven and a sub thirty inch arms. But aside from that, he's he's rock solid. He can play multiple positions. He can play man or zone coverage. He's a great athlete. He's one of the best tacklers in the class. He's instinctual. He's physical. And he would be a good addition to the secondary because they know exactly what they're going to get with him. And and actually our, our uh, draft analyst, Ryan Wilson, talked to McDuffie at the Combine and said that he's McDuffie's telling NFL teams that he can he can play safety too. Hmm. So he's just someone that you can move around and he would be a, a huge a piece of that secondary with, you know, what they, you know, they have a, a couple of really high end guys, but the depth has really taken a hit, and, and you know what happens with injuries in Baltimore. Shoot, so boy, did, boy, did we see that a year ago, Kyle? Exactly, <laughs> boy, did we. So see he's that. one where if if you want more of a safer pick, you go with him. But then Derek Stingley, he's more of a wild card because entering the twenty twenty one season, he was looked at as the consensus top quarterback or cornerback, right? And like a top really, five caliber pick is is the way yeah. that he was being discussed. Yep, yep, top five caliber pick, and. It really a lot of it hinged on what he did in 2019, when as a freshman, uh, when he was you know led the SEC six interceptions and 15 passes defended, but then 2020 wasn't as good, and then 2021 it gets hurt three games into the season and has foot surgery, and we haven't seen him at the showcases and the combine, and we'll see him at the, the his pro day, which I think will be big just to see how he's moving around, but he's someone that I think one team could fall in love with I and mean, he can still go in the top 10 or teams are a little bit wary and they don't want to take a chance on someone who maybe isn't as safe and then maybe he drops. But I, I think it just, it depends on, on how the Ravens really evaluate these guys. I yeah. think McDuffie is more of a, I don't think he'll last to number 20, even though I had him going 25, I think I had him definitely going too low. Whereas Stingley's more of a guy that you could see him drop. So, but I think either guy, depending on how Washington or how the Ravens view each player, um, could be a, a good pick at number 14. And then Kyle, let's, let's talk, touch on center a little bit. And I feel like we're, there's one name we're really discussing, but I want to expand it if I could for a second. I'll start with Linderbaum. Is, is he someone you can take? Is he, is the nature, there is a belief that you draft Tyler Linderbaum, you might have uh, not only a plug-and-play center, but a guy that could be your center for the better part of a decade. And if that's the case, can you do that at 14? Can, can you value the position just because of the quality of the player enough 
that you could take him that early in the first round. Yeah, I I think you can, um, just because of he is you know one of the better prospects at that position in recent years, and if you can, even though you know it is centered and it is undervalued compared to some of the other offensive line positions, if you know you can get a guy who is going to compete at a Pro Bowl caliber level, All Pro caliber level, if if he you know does what keeps developing as he should for 10 years and you don't have to worry about that and you can pair him with Lamar Jackson and you'd never have to worry about any of that. I think it's worth using a top 15 pick top 10. I think different story, but top 15, I think if, if you really love the player and he's by far the you know best center in the class and one of the best offensive linemen, I think that you, know, you shouldn't worry about what you know history says or what, you know, other people say about the, the value of the position and, and, if he's worth it at that pick. But I think where it comes into play of whether they'll pick him or not is more just about the Ravens. They just don't seem to invest much at that position. And right. they just, we just, you just talked to Bradley Bozeman played great last year and Baltimore lets him go to yep. the Panthers for one year, 2.5 million. So if, if they can't even keep a guy that played really solid last year and they let him walk for a one year deal, it's a fair point. And, how are you going to expect them to invest a top 15 pick on a center? So I just, I think that it's, it would be worth it for them. I, I, I wouldn't say that that's a bad pick if, if the Ravens went him there. I just don't see it happening based on their history. And then Kyle, last one for you. Is there a Creed Humphrey in this draft? Is there a guy that, that, that isn't a first round pick? And remember, Humphrey was the back end of the second round, right? Like, is there a guy like that that you look at and say, yeah, but this dude really could be a starting center basically on day one. He can play the position and, you know, maybe wouldn't be Creed Humphrey because we think Creed Humphrey might be a rock star, right? Um, but it is somebody that could solidify the position on day one that you don't have to invest the same capital that you would to get a Tyler Linderbaum. Yeah, I think someone maybe to look at would be uh... – Cameron Jurgens out of Nebraska. He had a pretty solid um, NFL combine, and he's someone that is because I, I feel like everyone is so caught up in Linderbaum because he is so he is one of the top offensive linemen prospects, regardless of position. That they're not really talking about the other guys at that position in this class. So I think if, if I would say definitely him um, from Nebraska, and then Dylan Parham, he from Memphis. He's got guard center. Uh, flexibility, so I think he's someone that could potentially be someone that steps in and and if they think he's ready, could start a center right away. Okay. Then another guy, he didn't play center in college, but Zion Johnson from Boston College, mm. he actually mm. he played tackle, right? But he but he was playing some center at the Senior Bowl, and he was also playing some guard, so he can line up anywhere. The only thing with him is, I think he's probably going to go in the back end of the first round right. just because he is scheme versatile and, and if teams draft in the first round they're probably not going to put him at center but those are just a couple of names to keep an eye on i would say cam jurgens definitely as a uh you know as they're looking the second round zion johnson actually from Bowie originally kind of a, a unique local connection uh great stuff as always kyle um what should we be plugging for you obviously people can see what it is that you're doing at cbssports.com you want to get a, a more generic cbs push out what you guys are doing right now yeah, so every Tuesday we have our uh, three draft analysts coming out with their – we started with top 50 draft boards. We're going to be extending that. Ryan Wilson just came out with his top 100, and we'll have a 
couple uh, our other two guys having their top 100 in the next couple weeks. And then if you just search, you know, CBS prospect rankings, we have the top 400 guys up right now, and we're going to be adding a bunch of great stuff to that. We're all strengths and weaknesses, NFL comparison, accolades, just basically a one-stop shop for if you're looking to get to know a guy in the NFL draft, regardless if he's a first-round pick or maybe he's going to be a undrafted free agent, then uh, CBS Sports is, is the place to go. So definitely cbssports.com. Uh, go to the NFL page, go to the draft page, and uh, check out all the stuff we got going on. Uh, good news for you. You don't have to go back and transcribe this interview afterwards. You don't <laughs> have to do that. At Kyle F. Stackpole on Twitter, that's how you follow him. Kyle, uh, proud of you, man. Always appreciate you taking the time for us. Let's try to squeeze one more in before the draft, all right? It's... Definitely. Appreciate it, Glenn. That's Kyle Stackpole from CBSSports.com joining us for this week's NFL Draft segment. Appreciate him doing that and um, and all the great work that he's been doing since once upon a time he was hanging out with us. Too much there? What do you mean? Uh, the transcribing of the quotes. Oh, uh, no, no, no. What? So he used to, you know, I don't know if you guys peel back the curtain. Most press box interns, one of their big responsibilities is to transcribe our interviews. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's gotcha. what they do. Like It's one of the biggest things they do during the course of the semester. I always apologize at the end of the semester. I'm so sorry for how much you had to hear my stupid voice during the course <laughs> of this year. I hate tra- I mean, like everybody that's ever transcribed hates. There's nobody else you find on the planet. It's like, man, I tell you what I really love doing. Transcribing. <laughs> God, it sucks. Um, but I appreciate uh, all the hard work that everybody puts in. So that was the, the joke was... That you, you don't have to go back because you're not an in. It's been a long time since Kyle was in. He's done a lot of things. I thought you were talking about um, my burning no, fingers no, over that's here. Not, that's not what I was saying at all. <laughs> not at all. All right. Uh, today's show. Uh, you know what? Actually, a reminder, a little bit later on this morning, we'll have Weekend at Bookies for you. That's coming up at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Andrew Stecka will give us his stats and figures for the week. He was, I think, pretty 50-50 on the last show. And Brad Feinberg from uh, Bet Prep will join us as well to talk a little NCAA tournament betting. That is coming up a little bit later on, 1140, uh, every other Thursday for Weekend at Bookies. Simply the bets at 1140 every Tuesday. All brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Speaking of uh, betting, the dream is over. We will not be doing any more spring training betting. I decided to ride one more just to, to see if I could touch this you know i feel like i was touching the face of god by winning a spring training bet two days ago so i decided to see if i could make lightning strike twice and boy did it not (laughs) it did not put the dope in dopamine oh man no doubt not a great night for that so i believe we will be canceling that although i did have a thought last night i was like i should have seen this coming teams tend to care in spring training a little bit more when it's a night game Night game at home. I should have seen this coming. You know who's playing a night game at home tonight? The Orioles. <laughs> He's back that quickly. No, nah, but they're gonna be they're gonna be favorites. I would assume. So I can't I can't go back to the against well. the Red Sox. Yeah, because the you don't when you yeah. you know the teams yeah. don't actually send players on the road. They do they, now. They they, they send a pitcher. They the Orioles haven't been doing that. Yes, they did. They had a they had a pretty representative lineup last. Maybe night. last night, the night before, they most certainly did not. And on I, the road. I did say he's gonna be sending a lot of guys on the road. They had seven guys. Really? Yeah, they had seven. Oh, that's guys reckless. Last night. That's just plain reckless. They have three, I don't know what. They had a, a I don't care. Period. There's still no reason to be doing that. Yeah. Someone's going to get hit by a pitch by some slappy that shouldn't be pitching. Jordan Westberg got hit by a pitch last See? Night. This is what I'm talking about. Now, Jordan Westberg obviously wasn't in the Major League plans, so it's a little bit different. But, but he, He's a man. He took it like a champ. Oh, there you go. I like that. I do like that, man. I am uh, 
Dude, there was somebody I went that that Towson baseball game I went to on Sunday. There was uh, somebody from Princeton who got hit, and like we were sitting right behind the home plate, and it hurt me, like sitting behind home plate. How'd you pull it. those tickets? Well, everything. You know, I got to give Towson baseball a whole lot of credit. Everything's free. You just wander over. I, we had no idea what we were getting into. We were just looking for something to do with the kids on Sunday. So I'm like, I'll go watch some of the Towson baseball game. Just walk right in. Just walk right in. Sit, sit right down. Baby, let your hair hang out. The whole thing. You can stand on that like, little overpass walkway thing and watch it. You can do that if you would like. I've done that a couple um, times. We've thought about maybe, because we're, we're definitely going to go back for the Maryland game for sure. We're going to go back for that. That's a midweek game. Um, and we thought, we've talked about, like, hey, if we don't have anything else to do on a Sunday and they're at home, it's a, it's a great thing to do. A lot of people bring and sit up on the other hill. So they'll bring like blankets, so they'll bring chairs and sit up there. But we sat in the bleachers right behind home plate, and I heard this dude get hit by a pitch, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I, <laughs> I collapsed, and he just slammed the bat down and walked right to first base, no problem hey, you whatsoever. You can't rub it, man. It like, could hurt like the dick, and she can't rub it. Whew, whew, tough guys, tough guys. All right, when we come back in, um, Dan Connolly is going to join us here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, we will talk about. The future of Trey Mancini. Is there a chance Trey Mancini doesn't even make it to opening day? We'll talk about that with Dan Connolly. That's on the way. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. 
The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. There's so much going on, obviously. We've been talking a lot about the football free agency, the NCAA tournament the last couple weeks, baseball being back, that kind of lost in the shuffle is the fact that it's a huge weekend and week for qualifying for the World Cup. It's the final stage of World Cup qualifying. Glenn Clark Radio brought to you today by underdog fantasy football you can play underdog fantasy football you can get free money to play underdog fantasy football download the underdog app go to underdogfantasy.com you use the code pressbox make a deposit up to $100 we'll match it with free money for you to play with great baseball contests coming basketball hockey going on right now and the great thing about underdog is even though you can't bet on your phone or your computer yet in the state of Maryland you can feel like you're betting by playing pro- player props parlays things like that and it's all very much legal with underdog fantasy football. So tonight, the U.S. plays Mexico in World Cup qualifying. They've got two more matches after that, um, this coming Sunday and then next Wednesday. They host Panama, and then they wrap it up with Costa Rica in qualifying. The U.S. currently sits tied for second on the table behind Canada. Canada with 25 points because now Canada is just a soccer power, which is a, whew, it's a weird thing for me to figure out, but it's what it is. Um, U.S. and Mexico tied at 21 points. So getting a point tonight essentially kind of wraps it up. The top three teams qualify. Panama is sitting in fourth with 17 points. They play Honduras. They're almost certainly going to get three points there. If you can just get a draw and then maybe a draw against Panama, you're good. You're good. You win the night, man, it's... It's a sen- it's over, right? Like, it's over. Obviously, the U.S. has struggled over the years in Mexico, although recently the U.S. has been quite quite dominant against Mexico. You'd like to see that continue tonight. Um, I am... I'm not... I, I say I'm confident. I'm confident, but it's, it's one of those um, nervously confident because of what we saw the last time around in qualifying... The U.S. is in good shape in general because they got the job done against Honduras to make sure they control their own destiny. But they can't fall on their face over the course of the next week and just completely crap out. I mean, like that, you still you can't help but be nervous. You just uh, can't help. Um, go win the night. You feel really good. Just go win the night and... 
there's almost no thought whatever. Even if you get a draw, you're going to feel pretty good about where the U.S. is going into the final two qualifiers. So that's big that's coming up over the course of the next week again. Tonight it starts when they take on Mexico. That's on CBS Sports Network. And then uh, Panama on Sunday, Costa Rica next Wednesday in the finale of World Cup qualifying. So there's that. The other thing I wanted to get to this morning, this came to me from oop, from Darren. Darren says, Glenn, I'm sure that you're very happy about the Ghost Runner thing. I am. Uh, it is going to happen. That's official. The Ghost Runner and extra, the extra inning rule will continue for 2022. Only for that. Don't read ahead, Paul. Sorry. Sorry. God. I just want your take on it. Darren follows up by saying, are you mad that they're not making it permanent? Do you think that something could still come there? I got into this conversation with um, uh, our buddy Justin, uh, Justin Labore, yesterday, and he knows how much I love the extra inning rule. And he pointed out that, like, he's, you know, he's in, as invested, he's like you, he's a, you know, baseball nerd. And he pointed out that there had been some talk that it could continue. They would just want to maybe tinker with it moving forward. That moving forward, they'd want to think about whether or not they wait until the 11th inning to do it. Or maybe they put the ghost runner on second but start the inning with one out or something like that. I I declare a pox on all of that conversation. Shenanigans. Nonsense. What are we doing? I mean, what, what in the world are we... This is the way. You've played a baseball game. You've done that. What are we, why do we need one more inning? You've played an entire baseball game's worth of baseball. And not to mention, isn't baseball the only sport, if they were to take away the Ghost Runner, the only sport that doesn't have a change? To, Something to unique the game? about it? Yeah. I mean, you could argue basketball doesn't have really change, except for the fact that the, it's, co- a shorter, the, it's period. shorter period of time, right? Yeah. But it's still the same. The rules are all still the same. Right. Um, and I guess, I mean, I guess football. The rules are all still the same. It's just you do the weird bit where if a team scores a touchdown, you don't let the other team right, see. There's the something wonky yeah, about. Yeah, there everything. is something wonky. You're right about that. There's something wonky about everything. Sure, Except there's something baseball. wonky about everything but baseball. Um, this is the best product. This is the stuff. This is that dopamine we're talking about. This is winning a bet on a spring training baseball game. It's the good stuff, baby. One year, the hell with one year, make it eternal, and then rip up the rule book so it may never be changed. This is the way. There is no need to play another inning or another two innings of the other style. Forget it. Do this. Get to the part that's great. Get to the part where you get action where you get guys making decisions, where it's fun, strategy, all of it, get to it already. Don't wait. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy they're doing it this year. I hope that they get things figured out so it's something they continue to do moving forward because it is outstanding, the extra inning rule. Know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. If you subscribe to The Athletic, and if you don't, you're insane. If you subscribe to The Athletic, um, you read a really interesting piece that our friend Dan Connolly wrote about Trey Mancini's future, which 
It might be very short here in Baltimore. I don't want to give all of it away because I want you to go read it, and we'll share it out on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio. For those of you that haven't read it just yet, it's an outstanding piece, of course, from uh, our friend Dan Connolly, who covers the Orioles for The Athletic, and he's with us now here on GCR. Dan, good morning, my friend. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. Um, I, I am I'm, I'm really got to – can I just lay all this out on the table for you when I have this conversation? Okay. I get it, right? Like, I get that there is something to be said for why, what is Trey Mancini's real baseball role with this team long term, right? Like, what is that? And I'm not dismissive of the fact that maybe his personal timeline doesn't really fit in with the timeline of the organization. But the flip side of it is. What real demand is there? As you point out, like what really are you even getting back in a Trey Mancini trade? As as we've talked about ad nauseum over the years, like everybody's got their own Trey, Trey Mancini within their organization, on their team. Like the, there is no real demand. And wouldn't the same thing be said if you hit the open market? Like what is the real demand for Trey Mancini on the open market? If the Orioles are ever going to spend money, I mean like ever going to actually spend money, why wouldn't it be logical for them to spend what would seem to be a fairly minimal amount of money in order to have Trey Mancini stick around? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting concept to me overall. And, and I, you know, I'm not coming out too harshly on this. As you said, I get it. I get the understanding of where does he fit, what his age is, um, you know, all of that. And I understand that. And I understand that they are building from the bottom up. And a lot of these guys are coming up. Um, that said, you know, this guy is a good major leaguer. I mean, he is not a guy that anyone's going to throw major, major money at. But he's a good, solid major leaguer who's made, who makes the players around him better in the clubhouse and on the field. He's an 800-plus OPS guy. Um, and that includes a year in which he was battling back from cancer and still played 147 games. Um, this is a good major leaguer. He's not a guy that people are going to go crazy for on the open market or, you know, in trades. And the Orioles are not going to get much for him. Like I said, they'll, they'll get a, a player or two, not a top 10 prospect or, or something like that, but they'll get a player or two, as Mike Elias has in, in these other trades. And, you know, Elias has, has been fairly effective in getting guys who at least look like usable parts, if, if nothing more. Um, certainly guys who fit into that prospect status for the Orioles. We'll see what that translates to. Right. But I, I think the, the whole thing is here, He's and I've said this a lot of times, to me he's more valuable to the Orioles than he is to anybody of else. Of course. And yep. he's more valuable to the Orioles fan base, for sure, than anyone else. Dan, I guess, boy, I'm trying to, as I bring this out further, I, I think that some of the fear that I feel here is less about Trey Mancini and more about, like, what are you willing to spend money on? Like, there's got to be a point. You know, I know that the, there was the weird Carlos Correa thing that percolated for a little bit, but... If this thing is going to work out, you're going to have to. You and I have talked. You know, I know how much you've written about the lack of pitching within the system and the need for right. pitching. You're gonna have to spend money at some point. This is not an extreme amount. I don't think. I can't fathom this is an extreme amount of money that we're talking about. And maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe Trey Mancini's got weird demands. I just can't fathom that. Um, no, and, and my sense is it's not. Yeah, you know, it, it wouldn't be completely out of the. You know, my, my sense is it would be in the range of what everyone would expect it to be in. Uh, but the, you know, but again, what we got to figure out here, what we must parse is whether what you said is correct and what are you going to spend the money on, or 
if they just look at this as no fit as far as right. the organization is concerned, as far as a 30-year-old first baseman, you know, right-handed hitter who doesn't really play the outfield particularly well and would have to DH, and maybe you have other guys coming up, it does not fit. And a guy, you know, another player who's a 27 who plays a different position that you, you know, that um, you really need that, that, you know, maybe that's different. Maybe if Ryan Mountcastle right. wasn't Ryan Mountcastle, that'd be different. And I think that's really the, the question here. Is it they just don't see a fit or they just aren't spending money? And, you know, I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I do know that they didn't pursue any type of, of extension with him. But again, that could go really either way. They don't see him as a fit or they know they can't afford him based on what, you know, what the, the numbers are. Um, based on what the Orioles, you know, management or Orioles ownership expects the numbers to be. So I don't know that. And I, I know, you know, I mean, I, I think some people thought this piece was critical of Elias. It's really not. He's in a difficult spot. Sure, to be of honest. course. Right. I mean, he is in a spot where if he doesn't re-sign this guy, then, you know, you're, you're killing the spirit of a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. If he does re-sign the guy, the guy may not fit into what they're trying to do. Um and if he trades them, he's probably not going to get much out of this. So this is not a, a great situation for Mike Elias. He is Dan Connolly. He's with us here on GCR. Dan, to your point, a trade on paper, because, again, we're assuming you can't get much back, would simply look like a salary dump and nothing else. The, the optics of that, and we've had the optics conversation this week with the arbitration situation, the optics of just trading Trey Mancini for nothing would look like a salary dump. And that's, I think that's the difficult... You, you, you write, it's so, you're so right about there being two separate conversations, right? But that's where it seems like they bleed in together. There's an emotional tie to Trey Mancini that will not go away. Not, and as I said before, it's not only about him battling cancer. It's about him stepping up and being a community leader in what has been a very difficult time for this franchise and, and being a guy that people could look to and could make them proud to be Orioles fans despite the fact there wasn't a whole lot to be proud about in those moments. That is and, sort and of, yeah. Here's the thing, like, you do not want to make decisions on your baseball club, if you're Mike Elias, based on what the fans think, based on how a guy fits in the community. That's, that's obviously a plus. But bottom line here, especially on a team that's so terrible, you don't want to make those decisions specifically to what has become popular. The Orioles did not want to let another player go, uh, a homegrown-esque type player go, so they signed Chris Davis to a ridiculous deal that is still biting them. Mm-hmm. But that was popular at the time with a chunk of the, of the fan base. Okay, So you don't want to make those decisions based on that. But let me take a, a bit of a step further here. And, and you can point to Ryan Zimmerman or others, but uh, Freddie Freeman most recently. Obviously, Freeman is a tremendous player. But I truly believe what happens in the clubhouse, the cohesiveness in the clubhouse, the learning in the clubhouse, is extremely important. Sure. And I have seen good young players being taken under the wings of the wrong guy. Yeah. And and not developing the way they should. Not taking things as seriously, not you know, maybe having baseball as a secondary thing and and money being the first. I've seen it firsthand. And I've also seen when guys who are true role models, the Nelson Cruz's, yep. the Nick Marcakis's, when those guys are JJ Hardy's when those guys take players under their wing, and I've seen them keep them tight and, and show them the right way to do it. 
And I think that goes a long way. And when you have such a young team, Glenn, in my opinion anyway, when you have such a young team, you need somebody who's been through it. And no one's been through it more than, than Trey Mancini, right? Yep. So to me, that is what the extra money here is for. To me, that is even if you're giving him $8 million for just this year, um, to me that is, that is showing him that, hey, yeah, that means something. And you, you can crunch all the numbers you want, and people who aren't in clubhouses can tell me that that does make a difference. But I covered that 12 to 16 team, and I covered all those bad teams before it, right. and bad teams after it. Right. And the culture and the character of the players who are leading is exceptionally important. I, that's well said. Dan Connolly with us on GCR. Dan, if, if I could bleed it into the other side of the conversation, separate it from the Trey Mancini situation, it would seem as though next offseason would be the first time if Adley Rutschman gets here, and, and, and I know the injury complicates it, but you know, we don't think it's that significant yet. Um, if he gets here and he looks like we think Adley Rutschman might look, if Grayson Rodriguez gets here at some point, do you have a gut feeling as to whether the organization starts to say, okay, and I'm not suggesting they're going to go out and spend $300 million on a baseball player next offseason, but that they start next year to say, maybe we need to look to start fortifying things. Do you have a gut as to the timeline is is next offseason the first time they might start adding some pieces? I would think it's a se- it's an offseason that they might. They're not going zero to 60 here. Let's right. say that they aren't right. going from this to two $200 million guys or, or five guys they bring in for $100 million or more. Uh, that's not going to happen. But will they start to try to increase that some? Yes. I think they'll make more of a play on the pitching side next year, simply because I think they're going to need it again, one. And two, I think that because of the effect of the ballpark and pushing the left field ball back, they're hopeful that maybe pitchers who are, are kind of gauging the market won't be immediately scared off by Camden Yards right. you know, to start. At least you can get in your foot in the door. So I do think that they will have more discussions next year. I don't know how much that will play into payroll, but I do think they feel like next year they're going to be starting, uh, uh, you know, maybe phase two, if you will. Um, but again, it depends on, on what the team looks like. I mean, you know, it is impossible for us to decide now what they're going to be doing in October. I mean, we, we talked this time last year, and you would have said, so who do you think is going to be the center fielder? Do you, you think Mullins has enough <laughs> a, in him? It's such a great point. Right? Yeah, it's a great point. And, and so we don't know, and that's the beauty of baseball. It's yep. going to play out in front of us. We don't know if John Means will be a, a Cy Young candidate or if he'll be hurt for, for five months. Right. We don't know any of this. Or, or if so, Kyle Bradish is suddenly the biggest rock star pitching prospect that we, you know, like, hey, that's a, that's, right. these are all fair. Or, com- or all those guys do what they did last year. Yep, yep. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's the beauty of baseball. The one thing that I do think is certain, unfortunately for Orioles fans, and I try to tell it the way it is, is I don't see them getting – I see another 100-loss season in, in 2022, yeah. Yeah. simply not just because of I'm not sure what this whole team looks like, but because the division is better, and the division already was really good, and it's super really good now. That's a great point. I, I do – and it's you know, we agree on that, but as I said to a couple of people, I think it's a more watchable version of a 100-loss team simply because – there will start to be more pieces here that we think could factor into the equation long term. I think there is a more there's more of a reason for you to wander to a ballpark or to turn on your TV this summer, even as things aren't going well, because there's more of these pieces that you want to get to know a little bit more and start seeing a foundation be laid. I would totally agree, and that's where I kind of wonder about the Mancini thing, because he is a guy that people do enjoy watching. 
Mm. He is a guy that, that, you know, fans have gravitated toward. So you have him there, and you have Mountcastle, who's kind of becoming that guy. And you have Mullins that everyone loved watching last year, and we all like the way Hayes plays. And now you see Rutschman come up, and maybe Rodriguez comes up. And, and you know, you got to kind of watch John Means every fifth day, right? So you're starting to get those pieces, and I think eliminating those pieces, if you don't have to, uh, that, that's what I kind of wonder about, honestly, is why eliminate a piece if you don't have to? People are saying, well, all these outfitters are coming up. DH is going to be more difficult. Sure, if Kyle Stowers comes up as the guy you hope he can be. If Yosemite Diaz finally stays healthy. I mean, this guy is, has not been healthy in the Orioles uniform since they traded him yeah. traded for him in 2018. Uh, he's never, he hasn't made his major league debut yet. So you're going to kick Trey Mancini out because of Yosemite Diaz? I mean, I, I think you have to see who these guys are before you, you decide, you know, to get rid of pieces that people want to see. Um, I know there's no real take they have. It's just, you know, boy, you, I, you, you start, your heart starts to ache for Heston Kerstad at some point, right? Like, my God, oh, man. What, you know, th- this is unfair isn't even the word. I don't know the word to describe just how truly, you know, wretched this is, everything this young man has had to go through. Yeah, I mean, first of all, we were talking about, you know, the, the myocarditis, the, the heart condition. We're talking about a life you know, changing, potentially life-ending situation that he was dealing with. So that had nothing to do with baseball. It had to do with this young man's future and, and you know, and, and his future health. And so that was really scary. And then it seems like he's finally through that, and then he gets injured, diving for a ball, has, you know, this hamstring injury. It's a severe hamstring injury. He's going to be out 8 to 12 weeks. And what, what adds insult to the injury is that it was on a ball hit by – Adley Rutschman, who ended up getting a, a inside-the-park home run and then woke up the next day with elbow soreness, which became a triceps injury, God. which is now you know, two to three weeks out for him. So on one play, the Orioles – I mean, well, I shouldn't say one play because we don't know what happened with, with exactly what the Rutschman injury ended sure. up being. Right. But the one play that was the two main guys – the Orioles are, two of the main guys the Orioles are looking at – and, and both of them are lost for at least a, a small amount of time. Uh, all right, all right. Before I let you go, Dan, um, I am I love the extra in- inning rule, and I have I sing it from the mountaintops. I thought I was going to hate it. It's baseball. It's action. It's it's strategy. It's all the things that as a child made me fall in love with the game. It's not guys standing there and swinging for home runs until three in the morning when 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 people need to go to work the next day and you can't sell any more commercials or any more beer at the ballpark anyway. I'm glad they're bringing it back for one more year. I hope it becomes permanent. Where are you? I, there are baseball people that just truly hate the idea of anything that's different. Where are you with the extra inning rule? Okay, I am 100% torn, okay? And I'll tell you why. All right. Because as the baseball fan and purist in me, I say don't give anybody an advantage. Let them figure it out. There's nothing cooler than being on your, your seat for 15 innings, you know, nibbling at your fingernails, saying is it finally going to break through or are they finally going to score a run? The flip side of me says I'm a baseball writer. We don't cheer for teams. We cheer for the quickest game possible. Exactly. Yes, possible. right. You know? And I sat in. I was in Seattle for an eighteen, nineteen inning game one time. Five in the morning. Um, yeah. And, and I, I wanted to bang my head against the wall, right? Because yep. I still had to write afterwards. I was still working, right? And uh, and so from someone, I mean, you know, they had they had eighteen extra inning games in two thousand and twelve. Um, that's and and I think the majority of them were fifteen or more innings. That's brutal, you know. So from a from a sports writer, from a a baseball <laughs> overall 
you know, person, let's get these games going as fast as they can. I mean, you, you said, you're, you know, it, it still is baseball. Yep. It's just putting an extra runner on there. Now, I'd like them to earn it, but it does speed it up. And I think one of the things you want to do is see action, and, and this will this does create some more action. It, it reminds me of what I like. To, Dan, I'm telling you, the, the thing where everybody's just up there trying to hit a home run, and it's just a bunch of strikeouts, and I, ah, I'm out. I'm out. Give me the action. Give me the baseball. I'm such a fan of it. Uh, let, at, me, let me throw yeah. one more thing okay. at you. I love the seven-inning doubleheader. Really? I love it. Really? I love it. The players love it. You know, it, I mean, you know, the pitchers love it. It just makes sense to me. To go seven innings on doubleheader, you're still getting 14 innings. If you're doing a seven-inning doubleheader, you're not going to have a split doubleheader. Right. The fans that come in, they get all 14 innings that they want. And it just, to me, it is one of those things that, let's face it, the ninth inning is always the most tense, assuming it's a fairly tight game. And you're just dropping it two innings earlier. And I have no, and again, I'm not saying seven-inning baseball. I'm saying seven-inning doubleheaders. When the doubleheaders come, instead of splitting them, Give them, give a seven each. That allows the fans to absorb it all if they want, and it just doesn't elongate it too much. So you're, the argument about the bang for your buck, I'm listening. The idea being that most teams with double headers anymore, we're trying to do split admission right. double headers almost exclusively. Right, and so the idea of saying, hey, anytime there's a double header now, you're going to get 14 innings worth of baseball for the price of nine. And right, you know, at, from 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 a sheer economical standpoint, I'm on board. The way I described it is I don't have a strong feeling about this one. I didn't think it was necessary to keep the seven-inning doubleheaders, and so baseball games are supposed to be nine, sure, play nine-inning games. But from the argument of the consumer and saying, it, this is my excuse, I'm, I don't go to the ballpark every day, I might go five times a year, if I see there's going to be a, a doubleheader and it's a single-admission doubleheader, I'm more inclined to want to go to the ballpark because I'm getting more bang for my buck. It's a really good argument. That's a really good argument for, hey, we don't have that many of these things anyway during the course right. of a normal season. Why not do it this way to try to get a few more people to come out to the ballpark that are, you know, pinching pennies or having to make economic decisions because, you know, we're in the midst of terrible inflation and gas prices through the roof at the moment, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm listening particularly to that argument as being kind of strong, Dan. Right, and when I, when I was growing up in Baltimore, yep. there was nothing cooler to me then my dad gets off of work. There's a 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock doubleheader starter. I think it was probably started at 5-something. My dad would get off work. We'd go down to Memorial Stadium, and we'd get two games for one. Yeah. I'm yeah. a 12-year-old kid, a 13-year-old kid. That was the greatest thing ever. When they went to the split doubleheaders, it, to me, it killed doubleheaders because, you know, you, you don't get that extra. You don't get that free baseball, if you will. And so I, I think the seven-inning thing brings that back a little bit. I, I, and I mean, yeah. you know, baseball's nostalgia, right? Let's yeah. face it. Yep. So, to me, that's great. And again, I get paid whether it's seven innings, nine innings, twelve innings, whatever. Glenn. I hear you, but, I, the, the Dana. You're making a you're making a very compelling argument to me about why it would be a good thing moving forward. It's a really compelling argument as we try to do things to get people to want to go back to the ballpark right. and all of that. I think it's something that baseball has to think about. Obviously, you know, in St. Louis, they don't have to think about it too much, but in most right. markets, they have to think about it and. Yeah, that would be a way to go about saying, hey, look, I, I I can name people in my life that would be more inclined to go because they were getting two games and otherwise would say, sure. nah, I'm not. I, I know those people in my life. It's a it's a very compelling argument, my friend. Right, we're Americans. We like BOGO, right? I, we, I'm we are. Here in my You're right. right now. I'm, I'm looking at my two shelter dogs, and they were BOGO dogs because they had to be attached. <laughs> so, so I got to buy one, get one free dog pair. That's awesome. So, yeah. 
yeah, you're going, you know, you're going to the, the game to see too. Good on you for doing that, Dan Connolly. We are, we are, <laughs> we are rescue. We are uh, adoptive uh, pet parents ourselves. We love show your soft side. And, uh, that's an awesome thing, man. At Dan Connolly, 2016 is how you follow him. If you're not subscribed to the Athletic, I, again, I can't fathom who you are because it is the content is just way too good. My friend, I always appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time for us. Let's do this again you, as we get into the season. You got it. Take care. It's Dan Connolly from the Athletic. Appreciate him hopping on with us. You know, I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about the doubleheader thing. Truthfully, it's just easier for me to say, "Hey, I don't need to do that anymore." It's baseball's supposed to be nine innings. Play nine innings, right? Like, but really looking at it specifically from the front of, can we create something that can get people to go to the ballpark? I, I'm, I'm telling you, I can, I can name, I know these people because they called me. And said, hey, there's a single admission doubleheader on Saturday. Do you want to go? That are more inclined to go because they're the type that gripe about the costs of, of going to the ballpark. Not just the tickets, but all of the above. The parking, the getting in, the, food, the whole deal. And say, if I'm going to do it, I might as well get two games worth of entertainment for me. And Dan's point being... If you're doing seven-inning doubleheaders, there's never going to be another split-admission doubleheader. Mm-hmm. You're not charging two admissions for seven-inning games. It makes sure that permanently all doubleheaders are single-admission doubleheaders, and it's one more unique, like giveaways are, like you know, you know, LB, L, L, LGBTQ night at the ballpark, like all of those theme. It's one more unique thing to have to try to coerce a certain group of people to come to the ballpark that otherwise might not. I'll tell you, his his argument was the only one that's ever made me go, oh, I can see that. From a consumer standpoint, mm-hmm. yeah, you're getting more bang for your buck. From a baseball purist standpoint, baseball's not in it. I understand that. And, I, and, and, I, and I've defaulted to that. But knowing, again, this year it's a little bit different because they, they, they were trying to keep it within the same time frames of the schedule. In a mm-hmm. normal year, doubleheaders are not going to be scheduled. Right. They will be rare and they will only be related to rainouts. And so in a normal year, we're talking about what? One, maybe two doubleheaders during the course of a year? Yeah, it rains a lot in Baltimore in April and May. Yeah, but they also have off days in order to, to move those games yeah, right later true. in the season. They don't immediately make them doubleheaders when that happens. They're, they're more inclined to, to put it on an off day. That we're, I, I, it, I would have to go back and look at 2019 and figure out how many, number, how many doubleheaders there were, but I don't think it was a significant number. I'm listening. I'm listening on the idea of doubleheaders being seven inning. As long as you can keep the, it 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 provides you the opportunity to keep them all as single admission doubleheaders. That to me is the win of all of that. Is that never again will you have a split admission doubleheader because it's just a day for everybody to come down to the ballpark. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in, we're going to get a tidbit. We'll get tubular. We'll wrap up this show and then get you ready for Weekend at Bookies. That's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. 
Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com PressBoxOnline. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the bat around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, we haven't done a finish this in a long time, and I've been meaning to do a finish this for uh, a while, so I don't know if we can squeeze this in quickly. We will give it a shot. Finish This is brought to you today by the print issue of PressBox, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. You can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. That's Gary Williams on the cover. You know him. He used to coach at Maryland, and 20 years ago, he won the national championship, and now Kevin Willard's going to try to repeat that. We celebrate that 20th anniversary of the title run on the cover. You see Gary Williams right there. All right, um, so you ready? You got? You, you think you can do this? Here's a finish this for you. I've gotten better, I feel like. I This, in fact, some part of the reason, those of you that asked me about finish this, part of the reason I haven't done it, I, and I'm not even kidding about this, so many of the stories I find have already been shared on Twitter by Jeremy Kahn. Yeah. And 
honest to God, like I just sort of assume that everybody I assume that everybody that listens to this show probably follows Jeremy Khan. Mm-hmm. So and I I certainly know you do. Um so it's just gonna be very difficult content wise for me to bring up a story and you'd be like, Oh yeah, I just saw that on Jeremy's Twitter last night. Like he's He's just doing this bit where all of these WTF type of stories he's sharing out. Mm -hmm. So it's made it more difficult for me to find something. This is actually a sports story. Um, uh, Japanese blank has blanked. Japanese blank has blanked his blank blank to blank blank Japanese blank has blanked his blank blank to blank blank Japanese pitcher has changed his throwing arm to other side changed is correct. Changed is correct. I'm going to even give you one more word to try to move this along. Japanese baseball blank has changed his blank blank to blank blank. So obviously a Japanese baseball player. It is not. What? It is not. Fan. No. Why am I just guessing one word? Yeah, right? Do the, do the bit. Yeah. Uh, Japanese baseball... Owner okay. has changed his team name to Hog Stuffers. No, but name is correct. Japanese baseball blank has changed his blank name to blank blank. So it's not pitcher and it's not player. It's not pitcher, it's not player, it's, it's not, not owner. owner, it's not fan. You've guessed all of these things. None of them are correct. Japanese baseball writer has changed his pen name mm-hmm. to Dick Trickle. Nope. <laughs> nope. Do love me some Dick Trickle, though. <laughs> Big fan. Big fan. Uh, Japanese baseball columnist. Nope. I, this is actually fun for me now. Japanese baseball mascot has nope. changed. What the? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea who's trying to call right now. <laughs> There's some wizardry going up for <laughs> Paul unplugged the cord, and it didn't stop the phone from ringing. There is some wizardry happening right now. Oh, man, this is actually great content for me. It's that, uh, what a Darren Ravel tweet. I feel bad for the Republic, but the content is tremendous. <laughs> try try unplugging the other one on the bottom side. I don't know. And there's nobody there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'll explain it to you. The, once upon a time, this phone number used to be the fax line at PressBox. And every now and then, I don't know who still faxes things. It's got to be Stan. No, no, it's not Stan. I'm ta- I, I get you're doing an old joke. I understand that. But every now and then, there's some business somewhere that just faxes things out, like, I don't know, lunch menus or something like Uh-oh. that, and is still thinking that this is the fax line from 15 years ago or whatever it was. Ah, gotcha. That's That's got to be what this is. The fact that it continues makes me think that's got to be what this is. Anyway. 
right. Japanese. Base- Just you trying to get this word is making. It's a delight for Japanese me. Japanese baseball team. Nope. <laughs> this is absurd. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's fairly easy. Japanese baseball catcher. Nope. Is it a player no or a position? No form of player. Come on, man. Dude, let me just guess, guess the rest. <laughs> Japanese baseball blank has changed his <laughs> first name to Ichiro Suzuki. No. I've been enjoying this so Has much changed more. his first name to his last. No. Because you know the names are... I understand that. I understand it. Uh, that's that's why he went Ichiro. I, I understand the whole deal. Okay. <laughs> oh, All God, right. I'm having a good time. I just need, if nobody else is, I'm Japanese. We got to wrap it up in a second. Yeah. That's Think what about she said. other things related to baseball. Think about other, maybe people that are involved in the, the game on the field. Japanese baseball manager. Manager! Hey! hey! We got there eventually. Japanese baseball manager has changed his, and it's not first name, it's not last name. It is not, no, it's not specifically. Has changed his old name to, I mean, I I thought I was getting better at these. (laughs) I got the first word. I got a word on my first guess, and nothing since. This, is, this one, this one made me. It gave this one gave me joy. <laughs> um, has changed his stupid name to Mike Tyson. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. <laughs> I like that. I like that. He's changed his legal name. Okay, is what you were looking for. He's changed his legal Similar. name. I was in the. I was in the ballpark. To what was Dan Gleesack? No, no, Dan, Dan Gleesack. Dan Gleesack. Dan Gleesack. What would give you delight? What would just be a wonderful thing for you to find out that a baseball manager had changed his legal name to? Hardwood. Hardwood. I appreciate that. No, he's changed his legal name. This is just a. This came. This wasn't even a story. It was just a tweet I found from Michael Mayer this morning on Twitter that was being shared around. He is a, a, a Mets uh, writer of some sort. Nippon Ham Fighters manager Suyoshi Shinjo. Wasn't he a player? Didn't uh, I think so? That sounds, that sounds familiar. Has changed his registered name to Big Boss. <laughs> I love that so much. That's the joy that I wanted to get. How great is that story? <laughs> Big Boss. We it's just, wonderful. We can just do that. It's just wonderful. I'm gonna go I change my name to Head Honcho. I love that story so much. For no I'm Glenn, this is Glenn on Glenn Clark Radio, and there's my producer, <laughs> Head, Head Honcho. Honcho. I'm all in, man. That is a win and a half. All right, that that gave me joy, but we gotta wrap up because we gotta start weekend at bookies here in a second. All right, uh, tidbit is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill St. Patrick's menu. Uh, is still available, and uh, the great news is it's going to go through the end of the month. So if you haven't had the opportunity to take advantage of the uh, smoky thigh wings with the Guinness grilling sauce or the Reuben or the Rachel or the shepherd's pie with the Guinness braised beef, you can get over to your neighborhood, neighbor, neighbor, neighborhood, neighbor, neighbor, big boss, neighborhood glory days grill, and enjoy them right neighbor, neighbor, enjoy them right now. All right, so yesterday at glorydaysgrill.com to get your order in. Uh, yesterday, Tyreek Hill was traded to the Miami Dolphins for five draft picks. The Dolphins subsequently signed Hill to a four-year deal worth $120 million, including about $75.5 million guaranteed. In his first six ah, seasons... You know what, Brian Powell, there was a lot of big boss man shtick that we could have done there. You're right. Yeah. He's going down to Cobb County. He's going to Cobb. He's going to drag Big Show's dad's coffin oh, all around God. Japan. 
that was such a terrible Painful. segment. Painful, oh my gosh. Man. I'm sorry, Brian. There was a lot of good shtick we could have done. In his first six seasons, Hill has caught 479 passes for 6,630 yards and 50, 56 touchdowns. Very good numbers, yet not close to the most yards receiving over a player's first six seasons. I thought we have a little more time for this. All right, well, Who are the 12 players in NFL well, history with over 7,000 yards receiving in their first six seasons? Since we're short on time, I'll give you a hint. All have played in the last 20 years except one, and that player has played in your lifetime. Oh, God. Uh, I don't know. Um, Randy Moss. Randy Moss, number one, 8,375. Uh, uh, how, about, how about Julio Jones? Uh, Julio Jones is fifth, 7,610. How about Larry Fitzgerald? Larry Fitzgerald is um, 11th, 7,067. Kind of low. I'm actually a little surprised by that. How about um, uh, Reggie Wayne? No. Surprising. Mm, Torrey Holt. Torrey Holt is second, 8,156. He and Moss, the only two over 8,000. How about um, uh, Calvin Johnson? Calvin Johnson, fourth, 7,836. How about... How about... God, kind of knocked out the obvious. I'll throw Devontae Adams in there. No. It's a little surprising, isn't it? Has he his not first, gotten... His first few years weren't yeah, first... as productive. He was under 1,000 no, no, no. yards. Yeah, but he's been so insanely productive since then that I think they would have made up for it. Andre Johnson. No. That's surprising to me, too. Uh, we're going to run out of time here. Terrell Owens. No. No, he started off a little bit less productive. Uh, it's somehow Keenan Allen because he's just under the radar, super productive. No. No. All right, but we're, we're going to end up having to. All right. I'm sorry. Jerry Rice, 7,866 yards. That's on me. I should have. These are all going to be on you. Okay, fine. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, 7,437. Okay, yeah, sure. All right. Mike Evans, 7,260. Yeah. AJ Green, 7,130. Okay. That, that yeah, one's surprising. A little, a little. Antonio Brown, 7,093. Yeah. Yeah, sure. This one's really on you. Marvin Harrison, 7,070. Because okay. you guessed Reggie yeah, Wayne. I did. Uh, and the last one, the, the I one mean, I, I would have gotten there. You would have eventually, yeah, if we had more time. Right. And then Sterling Sharp, seven thousand fifteen. Okay, all right, all right. very good. Those, uh, that was, you know what, that was a good tidbit. I'm sorry we didn't have all the time to flush no the trivia. That was, a, that was a solid tidbit. Tubular brought to you today by the Stand the Fan Variety Hour. Stand the Fan earlier this week, he and Ross Grimsley caught up with former Orioles skipper Dave Tremblay, who's now in the MLB Draft League. If you missed it. You can find it right now at uh, facebook.com slash pressboxsports or by going to the video tab, pressboxonline.com slash video more specifically is where you can go in order to do that uh, for uh, Stan shows every Monday with Ross Grimsley talking baseball. All right, um, coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise, uh, as I mentioned, it's a busy night. The NCAA tournament gets back underway. CBS, Arkansas, Gonzaga at 7, Texas Tech and Duke at 9.30. TBS from Michigan, Villanova, 7.15, Houston, Arizona at 9.45 in the Sweet 16. World Cup qualifier, U.S.-Mexico at 10 on CBS Sports Network. NBC Sports, Washington, Wizards, Bucks at 8. NBA TV, Suns Nuggets at 9. ESPN, Stars, Hurricanes at 7. ESPN 2 and Hulu for Flyers, Blues at 8. Blackhawks, Kings at 10. Uh, match plays on the Golf Channel at 2. Tennis Channel for Miami at 11 a.m. Orioles back on Masson for the first time this spring. Tonight at 6. Nick Pavetta, Bruce Zimmerman, the pitching matchup for Red Sox, Orioles. Everything else, go to GlennClarkRadio.com. Give me two things that matter tonight, just non-sports-wise. Uh, traffickers inside the Golden Triangle to uh, HBO Max original season one premiere. And Jersey Shore family vacation. I believe it's the season finale, if I saw correctly. It might be. 
I believe it uh, is. Of Jersey Shore? I believe it is. It, they, they have like 30 episodes the, a season. The, 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 but these have been bad seasons. They've, these have they just never been stop. uneventful. Yeah. Like, well, I think they just go somewhere else. Yeah. And, like, you're just watching them eat for the most part at this point. Yeah, but, they don't do anything controversial the, yeah, they're, like they're, throw their heads in the walls right. and get drunk and steal each they're, other's They're still girlfriends. pleasant enough that you're like, ah, I'll keep watching, but there's nothing going on there. Yeah. There's nothing to see there. They're so classy now. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. All right. Uh, thanks today to Dan Connolly. Thanks also to um, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman, as well as to Kyle Stackpole. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glenclarkradio.com. Anything that we have lined up for tomorrow? I don't know. Um, oh, yeah, Angel, Angel Reese. Reese. Angel Reese is going to join yeah. us. Yes. Uh, Baltimore's own, as the Maryland women get ready to take on Stanford in the Sweet 16. She will join us tomorrow morning. Uh, from out in Spokane to talk about that. Looking forward to it. All right. Uh, a quick reminder that um, the Baltimore police are looking for a, uh, a few folks right now. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org. Uh, we do have Jeremy Chin at 1045 tomorrow. Jeremy Chin. Ed Block Courage Award winner. Okay. Sure. We'll talk to Jeremy Chin. Have, have a conversation about that. Thanks, everybody, Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul at Paul Valley the Third. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex Ryan is how you follow him. At Glenn Clark Radio for us on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great Thursday night. Go U.S. Soccer! Go U.S. Soccer. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. If you're with us on audio, do nothing. We'll be back in just a minute. If you're with us on video, give us 60 seconds. Click refresh. We'll be back with Weekend at Bookies. Welcome into Weekend at Bookies, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. I am Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. Do this every other week as we get you ready for what's going on that weekend. A little bit later on in the show, from Bet Prep, our guy Brad Feinberg is going to join us to give us the fine lines for the weekend in just a second here. We will touch base with our buddy Andrew Stecka for this week's stats and figures. As we get into the Sweet 16, of course, there is nowhere better for watching the NCAA tournament than the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. It is the definitive place. Man, I was there last Friday. What a glorious time it was. I was pounding cucumber soda waters. They're delicious. They're so good. Um, I've enjoyed the Korean Bowl there at Sports and Social. It's quite tasty. 
And um, I did not have a great day last Friday, but I made up for it a little bit over the weekend. I'm telling you, man. And the cool thing about Live Casino and Hotel and the FanDuel Sportsbook right now is that anyone who makes a $50 or more bet on any NCAA tournament game, if you're a Live Rewards member, you can register that bet, whether it wins or loses, to win a $500 bracket bonus. Ten of you are winning $500 bracket bonuses. Is it bonuses or bonus I? We'll just go with bonuses. So get down now to the FanDuel Sportsbook. Get your bet in. It's got to be a $50 or more bet on any NCAA tournament game. Not a futures bet, but a tournament game. I like, for example, I like St. Peter's chances of covering 12 and a half. I'm giving that away. I'll be talking about that on um, Live Casino and Hotel social media later today. I like their chances. The last two times that we've seen a 15 seed, participate in the Sweet 16 game, both Oral Roberts and Florida uh, Gulf Coast stayed within 12.5 points. And I think that at this point, a little bit of the not supposed to be here has gone away. I like their chances of keeping it competitive. At 12.5, I like St. Peter's. So I'd be willing to make a $50 bet on that game. And if I do, and I'm a Live Rewards member, I can register that bet in order to win that $500 bracket bonus. If you're not a member, go to the window. They'll get you signed up for live rewards. You're going to want to be a part of it anyway. It's time for our stats and figures this week. Here's our friend Andrew Stecken. He's back with us here on Weekend at Bookies. What's going on, buddy? Good morning, Glenn. How are you? I'm all right, pal. You were um, you're basically playing 500 ball your first time around uh, with stats and figures, and I think, that, I think, frankly, in betting, we would largely take that for the most part. It's... Yeah, we'd like to be a little better than that, but you know, a little better than that is is a, is a good expectation. A hundred percent. Try and get to. And what we don't want is to be worse than that. So we will. We'll, no, t- we we'll, don't want to be we'll, worse than that. We'll take it for now. All right, where are you guiding us first with Stetson figures this week? Well, let's go to the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, we're going to start off tonight. I've got two picks for you tonight. Uh, the first one is Texas Tech. Uh, they're only they're only giving a point against Duke, which I find. You know, I find to be kind of interesting. Um, Texas Tech was a Final Four pick for me uh, before before this tournament even started. So I, I had this matchup. This is like the one bracket where I did okay. I had this matchup. I have Texas Tech beating Duke, and they're only giving a point. Now, this line has fluctuated a little bit within the last uh, 12 to, to 16 hours or so. But right now, Texas Tech minus a point. Um, Duke hasn't really – nobody's really noticed this, but Duke hasn't really faced anybody. They haven't faced one of these top ten – ish teams since they played Gonzaga back in November. Um, so I'm not sure that they're ready for what Texas Tech is going to bring. Um, a few other numbers for you. Duke is 0-5 on the West Coast under Coach K. Mm. Spot. Uh, this team's being played in San Francisco. Wait, wait, wait. So they're 0-5 on the West Coast under Coach K in what circumstances? In, in, in the tournament. In the tournament? Holy crap. Is that, like, all time? Yeah. Oh, my God. I genuinely did not know that. That's why. And here's another one for you. Texas Tech is also seven and three against uh, top forty adjusted offensive efficiency teams, which Duke would fall into that category. So that's a good number. I mean, I'll take seven and three. Yeah, I like I mean, that. you were just talking about trying to be above five hundred. Yeah, so, right. Uh, I like Texas Tech. You know, minus minus the one. It's a practically a pick 'em. It's it's kind of fluctuated here in the last uh, last twenty four hours or so between you know Texas Tech was getting a point, then it was a pick 'em. Now Texas Tech is giving a point. So. Lay, lay the point. I, I actually like Texas Tech, even if this gets to two or two and a half. I guess the only thing somebody would say is, you know, like, what? how do you measure the emotional side of this for Duke? And 
you know, not wanting this to be uh, Mike Krzyzewski's final game after they blew it the last two times around. Like, I, I, I don't know how to measure any of that. From a, from a pure basketball standpoint, I'm in agreement with you. I think Texas Tech is better than Duke. Um, and, and I think they win this game. And if they win this game, they're probably going to win it by a point. So yeah. I do like that pick. And I also think that, you know, it, it, this is one of those picks. I'm going to get to a pick a little bit later on that we're not going to be rooting for, but this is also a pick we can root for. Yes, right? you can we, enjoy we it, right? You can bet on it. We and don't then, want to right, win, so. right, I'm yeah, with that's you. That's always good. Uh, my other pick uh, is also tonight, also a Sweet 16 game. That's Houston, plus one and a half over Arizona. Mm. Um, you, you can also get them plus 105 on the money line, but I'll take the point and a half just to, just to cover cover my, my rear end, if you will. Um, this uh, Arizona's failed to cover in their first two games of this tournament, which is notable because they came in as a you know a heavy a number one seed, obviously, and a a, a pick by many to win it all. Um, this game also, I'm not sure if you know, is being played in San Antonio, which is pretty close to Houston, mm-hmm. uh, much much closer than Arizona is. Yeah, so, I hear you say that, but I saw how, a home court. I saw how the Arizona fans traveled to San Diego last week, and I'm not too worried about whether or not they're going to be Arizona fans making the trip to 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 San Antonio. That's that's fair, but you know Houston, San Antonio, not a far trip either. So I hear you. Just something to kind you. of factor in there. Um, Houston's actually ranked higher on Kempom, which is you know, and they're getting points. Just something to throw out there. Um, and Arizona, you know, when you watch them against TCU last week, they just didn't really clean the glass. I think that's part of the reason they they struggled and, and didn't yep. cover. And Houston's a team that can do the same to them. Okay. Um, you know, and I just have this feeling that. There's not a number one seed that's going to win this tournament, and I feel like this is a perfect spot for Arizona to, to, to bow out to, to a really strong Houston team that, that showed a lot. Here's the only thing I don't like about your, your stats and figures for this one is I don't know that it matters they haven't covered because essentially, again, when you're talking about one and a half, the likelihood of this being a one-point game and then winning but not covering is very slim. And they inherently don't care about whether they cover or not. All they care about is whether they win the game, right? And no, so, but it shows that they haven't really put their foot down in the, in, and this, and this, I this and I agree with that, and that can make them susceptible. I just specifically the part about not covering to me is less relevant for this game, just because it's so unlikely you're going to find a scenario where they don't cover but yet still win, and you know they're going to try to win. Um, sure. it's just one of those things that we talk about a lot in betting, where I'm like, well, right, they don't care about covering. Like they are not, no. they're not playing for that number. It is not their concern whatsoever as to whether they hit that number. So I'm not saying it's irrelevant. It's certainly something we talk about, but I just think it's unique in this spot where there, there's no scenario where they could be playing for the win but not playing for the cover. There is one obviously scenario, um, sure. but it's just so <laughs> unlikely that it doesn't play a huge factor to me in, in the way I'm going with this. You and I will separate on this one. I, I like Arizona tonight, but I, I I appreciate the stats and figures you've provided. He and is, a point and a half is not nothing, but it, you're right. It is a it's low just, number. It's just very that. unlikely that it ends up yeah. being – although the folks at FanDuel are very smart, and they know a thing or two as they set these lines, and we will, probably, we will probably be texting later tonight, and you will say, not going to be a one-point game, huh? You're probably going to say something like that to me. <laughs> Andrew Stecka is with us here on Weekend at Bookies for this week's Stets and Figures. All right, so where are we going next? Well, I'll certainly be watching that Houston game, and I will text you if, if, if that comes about. But I'm also going to have my eye on a there's, there's a little match down in Mexico City oh. that I think you've heard of. Who? Who? Uh, yeah, little 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 World Cup qualifier between uh, Mexico and uh, Estados Unidos. Ooh, Los Estados. Um, yeah, I... I I gotta be honest. This is the pick that I'm not gonna root for, but I'm gonna pick because oh, no. I like Mexico in this match. Oh, um, I like them on the money line. I like them minus the one ten. 
to win this match outright. Uh, Mexico's been out been with reduced fans for their last couple of qualifiers because of a lot of the sanctions placed on them. Um, they've been held to like 2,000 fans. Well, they're, they're going to have a full crowd back for this one. Um, and that's, I think, going to make a little bit of a difference. Um, USA has also only posted five points from 15 possible on the road during this World Cup qualifying, which is not a good road record. Um, USA also going to be without two of their, I think, I think we were their two best players. Uh, in Weston McKinney and Serginho Dest, uh, both injured. Um, not good. <laughs> not, not a good no, sign. Not good at all. There's no question about that. Uh, Mexico is also unbeaten in their five World Cup qualifiers at home. So this is just a trend that, you know, it kind of fits. The U.S. has never won a World Cup qualifier in Mexico. Right. So I, I okay, like but you're also you're conveniently ignoring the fact that the U.S. has been dominating the F out of Mexico of late. They have, and that's also kind of a reason why I think just to even things out, that tr- I don't see that trend continuing them to dominate them. They, you know, they mm-hmm. beat them obviously twice last summer in cup finals. Uh, I'm going to put cup finals very right. much yes. in quotation marks. Yes, correct. Um, and then they beat them earlier in the World Cup qualifying at home. But that's why I just don't see that trend completely continuing, especially with the injury problems that the U.S. is dealing with. And um, you know, and what would what would a World Cup qualifying be without a little bit of drama. Oh, like, without some sweat going in? Yeah, right. Without in final two games after this one in order to, to actually clinch their spot. And I think that that's, I think that's relevant here because the U.S. always kind of has to scratch and claw. I hear you. I do hear you on that. I actually like the value of plus 220 on a draw. I really like the value there. Where for both... I don't hate that. For both of these teams... And I'm not telling you this... Like, if you, if you said, you know, rank out the three scenarios and by percentage what you think might happen... I'd probably be closest with you. I'd say there's like a 40% chance of Mexico winning, a 35%. Nah, it's probably more like 45, 35, and then uh, 20% for the U.S. But the value at plus 220 on the draw would probably be where I would end up spending my money here. Um, I, I don't. I don't hate that. Unfortunately, the the when when you go to like the the tie no bet uh, number and the you know the double chance number. Mexico to win or a draw, those numbers just you're paying a, a large bid on those. Um, I, I, I get where your head is at there, though. I don't think these teams are going to go out there and kick the ball around and be happy with a nil nil or a one one. Uh, these teams are definitely going to go after it and try and get the three points. Um, but both are in pretty decent position to qualify, so that is something. That, and that's the part that I think is relevant here. That I think that it's certain part of this match, it helps both of these sides to say, you know, if we finish at one one tonight. That's pretty good for us. We're in pretty just, good shape. I just can't get over the idea of the U.S. going and getting a result like that on the road. It just There's something blocking my brain from that right. scenario playing All out right. as much as I would love for it to happen. All right. Very good. And then finally, your final stats and figures for the week. Well, we're going to go a little bit into the future here because I realized as, as the calendar plays out, um, when I talk to you in a couple of weeks from now on our next uh, segment of sets and figures um the masters will be going on ah. so i wanted to get in a couple of choices for the masters um victor hovland is my choice at plus 16 hell yeah to win. yeah uh this guy is quietly the number three player in the world right now in the world golf rankings um he's played the masters already twice which is really really important when it comes to the masters you want to have a guy who is not a rookie there uh on your card he's two for two and making the cut uh he tied for 21st last year the guy has three worldwide wins this year um, and three top tens in his last four tournaments. So he's trending in the right direction. Victor Hovland is a really, really good player uh, that not a lot of people, not a lot of casual golfers know about or yeah, have heard you, about. You got to be experts like me and you. I mean, that's exactly. 
but he's pl- he's sixteen to one to win the Masters right now, which I think is a good enough number. I actually got him like a month and a half ago. He was at like twenty four or twenty five to one, but so he's trending in that direction. So I want I want everybody to go out there and get their their sixteen to one number mm-hmm. right now, and then when it comes around to bet top ten, top twenty, do that as well on Victor Hovland um, because I think he's going to be right in the mix. There's one other guy who's a much longer shot that I want people to play as well. And that's Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick is 42 to one. Uh, and he is quietly a top 25 player in the world that, that again, no one really pays that much attention to. Um, but he's actually got a lot of masters experience and he's made the cut at the masters six straight times. So this is a guy who is a, again, a really good top 10 play, a really good top 20 play when those numbers come out, uh, when we get close to the masters, but, why not sprinkle a little bit on 42 to 1 as well on Matt Fitzpatrick? I want you to play a game with me. In the FanDuel Sportsbook, they list the odds for the Masters. They list three guys on a line. So, how many lines did it take for me to get to a golfer that I had legitimately never heard of as far as Masters odds is concerned? Oh, that's a good question that you legitimately never heard that of. I swear to God, I'm like, I've never, I've never heard of this person. I'm going to guess that name is Will Zalatoris. Nope, I've, I have heard of Will Zalatoris. He's been competitive okay. before at relevant golf tournaments. It okay. was one yeah. line later. It was in the is seventh Sung line. No, I've heard of Sung Jae-im. It's Joaquin Neiman. I have no Neiman idea who, that, who is that Joaquin human. Neiman just won a few weeks ago. Sure he did. I'll believe you. Where? Where? He did. Where? He won at, uh, I'm trying to remember. He won at one of the Florida tournaments. If you, no, if, no, I take that back. He won at the Genesis Open in L.A. Oh, how could I have missed that? How could I and possibly? And he won wire to wire. He dominated the tournament. Sure he it did. actually made, a, made for a very boring Sunday. <laughs> but what I was going to tell you is that the next one only came two names later because it was Matthew Fitzpatrick. There you go. I'm like, And that's why, you, that's why you got me here, to give there you a 42-1 to one shot at the Masters. There you go. That's my guy. All right, those are his stats and figures for the week. We like a couple, actually, we kind of separate a little bit this week in terms of where we're going betting-wise, but I appreciate it. At Astecca on Twitter is how you follow him. All right, buddy, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thank you so much. Cheers, bud. That's Andrew Stecca joining us for stats and figures here on Weekend at Bookies. When we come back in, let's get some fine lines. Let's really focus on the NCAA tournament, the Sweet 16, and the weekend ahead. Our buddy Brad Feinberg from Bet Prep will join us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. I'm oh, sorry. It's actually Weekend at Bookies. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling.com. Help.org. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 
including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Actually, you're listening to Weekend at Bookies, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. And don't forget that Rodney Elliott and I will be back with you in the FanDuel Sportsbook on Monday, sorry, April 4th. I was about to say May. It's most definitely not that. Monday, April 4th uh, for the National Championship game as we'll be hanging out with you with great giveaways, with betting advice for the game, all of those things. We'll be doing that during the national title game. Whoever's in it, we'll decide who it is that we're riding with beforehand. I think Rodney might start just betting all the unders because he was having success with it. But uh, we're looking forward to that. That will be on April 4th. We will hang out with you in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel for the national championship game. In the meantime, the NCAA tournament gets back underway tonight. Sweet 16 games begin for this evening for tomorrow night. Joining us now to help us uh, make some sense of how to bet the Sweet 16, he is our friend Mr. Brad Feinberg from Bet Prep, and he is with us now here on GCR, Weekend at Bookies. I'll get it right one of these days. We do a lot of shows. Brad, what's going on, man? Help me get my mind right, man. I can't wait. It should be an amazing, fun, awesome weekend. Um, I just, you know, outside of the NFL playoffs, this is my favorite time of the year. Okay, do you? I hear this from purists sometimes. They're like, "Dude, I legitimately like the <laughs> the Sweet Sixteen weekend or the Final Four even more than I like the first. Everybody talks about the first weekend. It's the you know, it's the greatest festival yeah, of basketball. Yeah. Are you someone who appreciates this because of the level of competitiveness that we get, the less likelihood of blowouts, things like that, even more maybe than the first couple of days? I'd say it's pretty comparable. I love them both. Um, I, I would say it's really close. Again, I will agree. Once the final four hits, that's just you know 
three games, so it's not as exciting in reality. Uh, but this is still this is going to be a phenomenal weekend. But no, I love the opening week, and I love this week, and I'd say it's pretty close for me. In all honesty, all right, give me a couple things you might be looking at. Give me for this week specifically, you know these these eight games over the next two nights. Give me a couple that jump out at you and say, I think this is really interesting from a betting perspective. Well, a bunch of I bet a bunch of different stuff. Uh, you know, look, I, I could start out talking about uh, look Arkansas. I did bet over in that game, uh, Arkansas. Seven of the last eight games, they've gone over the total. They played horrible against New Mexico State. Gonzaga obviously plays at a very, very fast pace. Gonzaga's both games in the first two games won over. Yeah. Arkansas is the 28th fastest tempo in college basketball. I think over their merits of play um, in the Texas Tech-Duke game, right now that game is a pick. Uh, I like Texas Tech. I think they're the better team. Yep. They're a much deeper team. They're a much more experienced team. Uh, look, a lot of it is going to come down to right how the game's officiated. We know that Texas Tech is a physical team. They play um, uh, very, very tough on the defensive side of the ball. Will they be able to get away with it, right? And if, if we see the games being refereed very tight, then maybe live betting, I'd look to get off my Texas Tech position and switch to Duke. But I do like if that game, if they let them play, I really do think Texas Tech uh, is going to win that game. And Duke has really, if you look at their history, they have not really won many games on the West Coast. I had no idea. He's 0-5 all-time in the NCAA tournament in West Coast games. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think that's the – look, cause Duke a lot of times gets their, the home crowd, the advantages. Right. Not only are not going to home crowd, my friend, they're, they're going to – people are going to be rooting against them, in my opinion. I think there's a lot of anti-Duke sure. out there. Yo, you, don't have to, you don't have to sell me on that, Brad. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, my daughter is going to be going there next year. Talk Uh-oh. about a conflict. Like, I, hate, I hate Duke. Okay, I mean – it's so Brad. I'm so glad you bring this up, right? Because uh, people accuse around here. There's like three yeah. people that like Duke, and they're like, "Oh, you're just you're because you're a Maryland person. You're just a hater." I'm like, "No, it's an American thing. Yeah, everyone, like everyone in the country can rally. There's so few things that we can rally around as people, Brad. We all hate each Look, other. My daughter's going there, and I still hate them. So I there love you go. That. I mean, God, I, I love you know, that. I'm you know, it's it's impossible to root for that team. Um, look, another game, Michigan Villanova. Now, I, I went to Michigan, followed Michigan very, very closely. This is a team I've watched play more than any team probably in college basketball this year. Look, I'll be honest, I had Tennessee against Michigan in the opening number, and I lost. Um, I am not a Michigan fan in terms of how they are. I love them as a – I root for them as an, as an alum, but uh, Hunter Dickinson's great. But I do like Villanova here. You can still okay. lay four and a half. Uh, Tennessee just happened to shoot the ball horribly from three, and I kind of figured Tennessee, that's what they do. They're an erratic offensive team. Villanova's a much better coach team, you know, in my opinion, than Rick Barnes was. Um, and here's the thing, Villanova, what I like about them, they shoot 83% from the free throw line. Think about that. Mm. 83%. That's such a huge edge in these games. Over the last 10 years, Villanova's been the most profitable team, you know, ATS against the spread. Um, I like Villanova here. I just, I trust Gillespie. uh, And I trust that this team will, I normally get a good effort. Michigan's been like a, you know, good game, bad game, good game, bad game. Uh, Playing four and a half, I think it's too cheap with, uh, with the Villanova Wildcats. I think you said two things that really stand out to me, Brad, about this, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to continue to ride with Villanova. Now, I had him in the Final Four to begin with, so I got a little nice. bit of a vested interest there. Um, but what I would say is, in watching that Ohio State game, those two things jumped out at me. When things got hairy, and they got hairy there for a sure, second. Sure, they did, yeah. Having, being able to make your free throws and yeah. having a veteran point guard that you could have faith in 
That was to me why I like Villanova going into this tournament, is that you can trust that he's not going to start doing screwy things just because momentum is going the wrong way. That he can solidify and keep everybody's minds right, and they can work their way through their issues. And I, I completely agree. That really stood out to me against, against Ohio State, and I think it could stand out again against Michigan. I agree with you. And look, I'll give you another game. And again, I'm on the opposite side. Is my One of my good friends is Steve Fezzik, who's one of the best sports oh, analysts yeah. in the world. Yeah. His, uh, he really likes Houston against Arizona. Uh, I don't. I like the other side. Um, you know, you can lay one with Arizona. Look, to me, Arizona, like, I know they did not look good against TCU. They got fortunate. Uh, I get it. And I know the West Coast in general has been disappointing in how most of these teams have played. Uh, I still just am not that impressed with Houston. I, I know that they, uh, you know, ever since they lost Sasser, I just, I think this is a very limited team. Again, I know they beat Illinois, but I don't think Illinois is, is all that. I think Arizona has been the better team all year. I know Houston will have a home court edge. I get it. I made this line three and a half. So uh, this was a pretty big bet for me on Arizona. I could obviously be wrong. Maybe I'm not giving uh, how bad the Pac-12 and how bad just the West Coast has been since this tournament has started. Maybe there is something to it. But I'm just going by all year. I really do feel like Arizona has been the better team there. I'm going to take my chances with them. And I said, I don't know if I said on your show, but I said I thought the winner of the Miami-USC uh, game would go to the Final Four. I'm going to stick with that. Wow. Um, Balls. I, I really I felt that that region was just wide open. thought that Auburn was the worst two. Wisconsin, the worst three. Kansas, the worst one. I think Miami is better than Iowa State. Iowa State, I uh, give them credit. They're a scrappy team. But I just think Miami, and you know, you've taken plus one on the open. It's now up to minus two and a half. But I still think Miami merits play here. I trust them offensively more. They're athletic. They play hard. Uh, and I just trust them offensively more than an Iowa State team that only went 7-11 in the Big 12. You, you, you told us the last time we talked. Brad Feinberg is with us here in Weekend at Bookies. You talked to us about unders and, and yeah, oh, these, yeah, you yeah. Know, these situations. And I, I use that uh, when I was down uh, here locally at uh, Live Casino and Hotel. We, had a, we did an event with Rodney nice. Elliott, the former Maryland star. And I, like, I, I kind of I refed him what you gave me, and he started playing like literally every under and just high-fiving everybody in the place. He's like, man, this is, <laughs> this is great. Yeah, um, yeah. is does that continue at this point as things are tight, as games are you know are really tense and there's so much at stake? Do you continue? It was it was like 15 and it was like overs were like two games over 500 for the first two rounds of the tournament, right? Yeah, like it, one thing that I've done in the past is when you get these games in the in the in the uh, the big arenas, like they remember they used to have, but it, I don't think it happened as much anymore. Remember, like they play games in like a, a seventy-five thousand foot, oh, a, a, no seventy-five thousand yeah, seat stadium. They'd start playing at the, the football stadiums this weekend. You're right. Yeah, yeah, and like, and sometimes the depth perception is harder for the players to to get used to that or whatnot. And sometimes those games would go under, but the sports books have kind of um, uh, caught up on that, and and that that edge is kind of gone, dissipated. Now, look at this point. Look, I always do think just when you get max effort in games inherently um, the defense steps up because every possession is so bad. is so important. I will say this. If you do like unders some of these games, I think it takes more sense to take an under in the first half. And I say that because uh, in the second half, 
you can get the foul fest when someone's season's on the line. They just they don't want their season to end, so they will keep fouling and fouling yeah, and fouling yeah. just because there is no more tomorrow. So sometimes you can get that, and you can get a um, an unfair result potentially um, on an under if there's just a foul fest at the end of the game. Now you know at least in the first half you're going to get a more true result. Obviously the first half of runner is going to be about seven to eight points lower than the second half, but it's still to me you know worth you know worth doing. Yeah, just because they're America's darling, uh, how do you feel about St. Peter's? I The number here yeah. locally is still 12 and a half. 12 and a half, yeah. I am in this weird place where, with, you know, Oral Roberts, it was 12 points. When Florida Gulf Coast was in the Sweet 16, it was a two-point game. And I, I like, there's a part of me that just sort of says the, like, we're not supposed to be here factor has worn off. And that they're in there for a battle believing they could win. I I kind of like taking a chance on St. Peter's to keep it within 12 and a half. Where are you with them? D- does maybe the bubble burst at some point? You say, no, Purdue, my God, they're so big. There's just nothing St. Peter's can do about that. Well, here's the thing I do like about St. Peter's thing. And I look, I was actually impressed. Uh, I mean, they, and I watched both those games and, and they really did impress me. I didn't think either one was necessarily a lucky performance, if that makes sense. Uh, and I like the fact they played defense hard. And I like what Coach Hall always said. If you heard him on all his press conferences, he's like, so I don't care what the hell you do offensively. He goes, as long as you bust your ass defensively, he goes, I'm going to let you play for me. You know, I'm going to, I don't care what you do, but you, you show me yourself on the defensive side of the ball. And those are not fun teams to play against. And, you know, the same defense travels, right? Like you, your shot may be off, but there's no excuse not to play hard. And, and I think this is a really tough, rugged defensive team. Only way I can look here is the St. Peter side. I didn't make a wager on it, though, just because um, I Again, I'm trying not to overreact to yeah, just two it. games, yep. but um, again, this was not a game I bet on. But if it, you ask me who I have, who I would take, it would be the St. Peter side. All right, excellent. So there's a little bit more of a uh, NBA yep. window this evening. Normally on Thursdays we don't get much in terms of NBA, but because of the tournament going on, there's a little bit more going on. Anything prop wise that stands out to you going into tonight? Um, you know, I've, I've been betting this prop a bunch. Uh, Cameron Payne, the point guard yeah, for that's my guy. Um, the Suns, yeah, yeah. The, over over seven and a half assists has been something that I've been betting him uh, a ton with. I think he is ten and three to the over on that, or eleven and three since he became the starting point guard. And two of his losses, he had seven, and another one there was a blowout where he didn't get the minutes or whatnot. Um, so again, I think that was uh, that's a, a really strong prop that I've I've liked. Another one. Uh, Will Barden over two and a half assists. He's gone over that about seventy percent of his games. He's gone through a little bit of a uh, uh, slower stretch recently, but to me, that's what's giving us some value here. The minutes are still there. Will Barden over two and a half assists. And you can research all this on BetPrep.com. Yep. Has been about a seventy percent winning bet year to date. I love that. You want to tell everybody more about BetPrep and what it is, you guys? It is. It is so amazing. All of the information you can get from BetPrep. It really is a great site, and I'm not saying it because I work for the company. I'm saying because I use it. Like this is, it really actually changed my life. Uh, not to sound corny, but it did. I used to research all these stuff. I'm basically what I make most of my money for is doing props and futures. That's what I happen to really specialize in. And the research I was able to do on BetPrep.com made things so much easier. For example, I can look at any single player, what he's done his against a certain team, what he's done when let's suppose you're to take Chris Middleton's points and Giannis is out. Well, what is he averages? Let's say 18 regularly. What is he average without Giannis? Boom. Just one click of the button on the filter. You can remove Giannis and it tells you what's he done his last 20 games, his last 40 games, his last 100 games, whatever you want to make it. 
against a certain opponent, uh, it tells you, and in my opinion, it gives you a mathematical edge uh, in trying to beat these props. It's incredible. I mean, it's truly, it's invaluable, the information you can get uh, from Bet Prep. And again, you can just go to betprep.com. You can sign up for free, which is even more amazing. Like, that it just blows my mind that that is out there. What other people might charge for this type of service, my man, holy crap. What you can get for free from Bet Prep is really unreal. At Brad's Best Bets on Twitter is how you follow him. Brad Feinberg, the fine lines, man. Appreciate you as always. Let's talk again here in a couple of weeks, all right? You got it. Stay safe. Thank you, guys. Good luck, everyone. Brad Feinberg checking in with us here on Weekend at Bookies from Bet Prep with some really interesting information in there for me. Like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm struggling. Like, some of these back up. I definitely like, I know I like Miami. I know I like Texas Tech, right? Like, I know those are two that I was intending to bet on. Um, I've I've I was struggling a little bit. Like everybody knows how much I like Villanova, but when you start to talk about four and a half points, like there's just a lot, enough wiggle room in there in a Sweet 16 game. But he's probably talking me over to that side of it. I I'm in a weird place. I liked what Andrew was talking about with Houston earlier, mm-hmm. but I almost have this feel of like they Arizona was they got their test. Like they got it, they passed, they survived. They come back refocused for a week, realizing you, you can't you can't play the same way. You're gonna tor- your tournament's gonna end, and with that number being so small, I yeah. I actually think I'm leading. Maybe I'm gonna end up just taking all of Brad's plays. <laughs> like I just might end up betting entirely with Brad over the course. of I the I just weekend. think it's so hard to bet when you have a line that that's that close, one point, one and a half points. Well, I mean, you're betting who you think's gonna win the game. Yeah, I mean, that's what you're betting. You're betting yeah. ultimately who you think's gonna win the game in that situation. It's, it's just giving it's, yourself like no wiggle room. It's yeah, it's it's very it, there's so, so almost no likelihood. As I said, we're it, we're gonna laugh later tonight when Steck is texting me and being like, ha ha, you said it couldn't be a one point game and it finishes seventy seven seventy six something like that. But mm-hmm. I I I just think you're betting who you think is gonna win the game at that point. And I. I think Arizona is going to win that game. I I continue to feel that way. All right, uh, do we have a, a a Paul's preposterous prop? We do. Oh boy, we do. Um, this is a, a little lengthy because I have to give you an explanation. Okay. All right. Um, By the this way, is- there was a guy that was hanging out with us in the FanDuel Sportsbook last Friday. I wish I remember his name, and I I really like this guy a lot. He kept yelling at me the entire afternoon, but it wasn't in a dickish way. It was more like he was trying to have a good time, and everybody was having a good time. About, because he walked by and he showed me a slip. He had bet on like third division Irish football, <laughs> and I'm like, "Are you serious?" And like some of the names of this, the teams, I've like, it was like Stick City or something. It was like things I'd never in my life had heard of. And he just kept yelling at me. He's like, "Glenn, Glenn, you're forgetting about Gaelic football." And I'm like, so I walked over to him at one point. I got a question for you. You ever bet on snooker? You ever bet? We're trying to figure out what that's all about. And then uh, we ended up diving in, and I said, my man Paul, he had a bet, yeah, a, 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 a billiards-related bet. He's like, oh, I bet billiards all the time. <laughs> so weird, man. Like, what a life you're living. So this is a snooker bet. Oh, look at you. This is a snooker I bet. I don't and even I, know what it is. And, well, that's why this is lengthier. I'm going to explain it to you. Yeah. All right. So it's a futures bet. The snooker table, uh, uh, first off, Sean Murphy is a professional snooker player. For those not you in the know. You think I don't know that. Snooker looks like billiards to the untrained eye, but think, but they are very different. The snooker table is different from the pool table in that it is larger, the balls used smaller, the pocket's narrower, and the pocket lead is curved instead of flat. 
Obviously. American snooker tables are 10 feet long, while European tables are 12 feet long, as opposed to 8 and 9 feet for billiards. Snooker is actually more popular than billiards in Europe. I don't know if you knew that. In all of Europe? Uh Uh-huh. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. The game is played with 22 balls made up of the cue ball, 15 red balls valued at one point each, one yellow, two points, one green, three points, one brown, four points, a blue that's five, a pink that's six, I, a black that's seven. I was to seven. understand there would be no math. Well, anyway, you don't have to do math. You're not playing. Uh, players try to pocket the first the red and then the non-red ball, scoring one point for each red and the number value of the others. All red balls must be pocketed first and then the other balls pocketed in order from yellow to black, Okay. Uh, which is very different from billiards. Anyway, uh-huh. my preposterous bet is Sean prop. Murphy. Your preposterous prop. My preposterous prop. I don't know that it's a prop, though. Yeah, but I understand, but it's just for the alliteration. My, my Paul. pro- Paul's preposterous prop is Sean Murphy to win the world championships that begin May 1st. So this at, is, this at, is a futures at, bet. Yes, at plus 2,900. Murphy, since 2005, has reached at least the quarterfinals nine times. When four finals, including as recently as last season. Well, this is a hell of a... This is You're getting some odds here. And one world championship in 2005 when he was a 150 to one long shot. He's a bit of a, of a hothead. Basically the Kenny Powers of snooker. He was in the tabloids for cheating on his wife the day after one of his finals wow. appearances. The same tournament where rumors were swirling that he was to be served with divorce papers during one of his matches. I mean, who am I to judge? Yeah, we don't, we don't kink shame. Yeah. <laughs> he is looking for redemption and I'm taking him to get it at plus 2900 for the World Championship. Now, it would pay out $580 on a $20 uh, bet. So it could be quite the payday if Sean Murphy were to win the Snooker... When, when is the Snooker World Championship? May 1st. May 1st. At 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I mean, is it televised? Are we going to be able to sit down and... Uh, should, uh, should ESPN we, the Ocho. Should we host an event? Should we uh, put together <laughs> a viewing party for the old uh, the Snooker... I would yeah. like I would like to know if there's a place to play snooker here locally. I would I'm sure like there it, is. But I would like for you to do a little legwork on this. Okay. All right. You, we're not we're not giving you quite as much in the in booking response, but still DJ plenty. Cool. But oh, like, DJ cool. yeah, not, I'm not working. We got that. We took care of that. You took care of that. I did, but we took care of it. Is the point? We we took care of it. I would like if you would find out if there's somewhere we can play snooker here locally, and we arrange a day. Maybe we find somebody. Maybe. Th- I know Josh moved down to Florida, so it might be difficult for the boys from Section 336 to get involved, but maybe we find another show in the area and we challenge them. Maybe like uh, maybe Banks and Arditi, right? Maybe we do that. We challenge them to a snooker showdown if we find somewhere you can play snooker here locally. So I'm going to put that. That's on your shoulders, all right? All right. Now, you don't have to do it right now. We don't have to d- get that solved right now, but just okay. you know, in the in the coming. I will say that 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 Josh usually comes home uh, at the beginning of the baseball season. That's true, he does. So maybe we can make that a a, a section three thirty six showdown, something along those mm-hmm. lines. Just look into it, do a little do a little work, do a little leg work there, and we'll put together our team. I'm happy to have Proctor back. He helped us uh, in our our uh, championship run in curling. I don't know how I feel about bringing back Ottenheimer from the dead. I think that might be uncomfortable. I don't know if, if that's something I want to do, if I want to mess with those spirits. That might be a bad idea. I, maybe we need to invite Ryan because he's part, part of the team now. But what about Lil Jordan? Lil Jordan's got a little... And Papa Cass. And Cass is an athlete. Like Cass yeah. is a legit athlete. I've seen some snooker players. They don't look like athletes. Well, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. We'll, we'll do some. Seems like a game I would like. We'll do some research on that. But I want you to look into whether or not there's somebody somewhere locally 
I, and by the way, keep in mind, I'm a terrible pool player, so I might, I will probably be the, the weak link. I think most people are terrible pool players. Uh, unless you're really a, like a... Unless you're into Right, it. exactly right. I um, know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Thanks to Brad Feinberg. Thanks to Andra Stet... A- Andra? Andra. Andra. My God, what happened to me during this program? <laughs> Thanks to Andrew Stetka, because it's Stetka, and I was re- I was kind of reading it all together. God damn. Andrew. Thanks to Brad Feinberg and Andrew Stetka. Thanks to you guys for joining us. Thanks to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel for making it possible. We'll be back in two weeks, and don't forget this coming Tuesday, another edition of Simply the Bets at 1140 a.m. This has been Weekend at Bookies. May the odds be ever in your favor.